Hello and welcome to episode 89 of the Film Yak Podcast. I'm John. I'm Kevin. And I'm JR. And this week we are talking uh, JR's pick, 10 Rillington Place, directed by Richard Fleischer, starring Sir Richard Attenborough, Sir John Hurt, and uh, some woman, you know, who cares, right? Am I right? No, I don't know who the actress is. I forgot her name already. That is definitely... uh how Richard Edinburgh's character would feel about it. So yeah, that's, sure. Yeah. <laughs> <on theme. laughs> she was, uh, I mean, she was, her performance is just as good as theirs. I feel like she was pretty good in it. I just don't remember her name at the moment, but, um, yeah, we'll be talking about that as well as other things we watched and, uh, a couple of trailers, mm-hmm. but first off, how's everybody doing? Doing good. Yeah, just just wonderful. Hey, that's terrific. Just, <laughs> I'm going to stop asking how people are doing at the beginning of the episode because it never leads anywhere. Nobody says anything. No. I just, you know, it goes I lie. Yeah. We don't want to <laughs> get into our stuff. Right. It's not a personal podcast, okay? It's not personal. Um, I'm on Richard Fleischer's Wikipedia page, and all, all the first name I see is Arnold Schwarzenegger. What did he? He worked with Arnold Schwarzenegger, Red Sonja, and Conan oh. the uh, Destroyer. Oh, no yeah, shit. I didn't know that. That's a, kind of a weird career jump, huh? Yeah, Amityville sure 3D was all over the place. Yeah, no didn't he do the Vikings? He did. Oh my! And there's you know Barabbas. there's a there's a line to be drawn from the Vikings to Conan the Destroyer, right? Sure. Yeah. Fair enough. And Barabbas, Fantastic Voyage. I mean, these are the tour, tour, tour. These are these are classic, uh, classic blockbuster cinema before it was blockbusters, right? Right. I mean, I I remember enjoying Barabbas. I've never seen that. That's got Anthony Quinn in it. Is that right? Yeah, Yeah. and uh, Jack Palance. Ooh, Palance. Yeah, one-handed push-ups. Yeah, I watched it because. Scorsese mentioned that it was one of the movies that he watched when he was about to do Last Temptation. Oh, interesting. I might have to check it out. Okay. What? I was going to say, as far as uh, overlong biblical ethics go, it's pretty good. (laughs) It's no Samson and Delilah, am I right? Oh, you didn't like... (laughs) I forget you didn't like that. I love Samson and Delilah. I was a big fan. Of course, the last time I watched it, I was like hyper religious, so might have something to do with it. Mm. <laughs> anyway, um, let's get right into this trailer. I mean, really, the trailer to talk about here the the biggest trailer of the year, the Easily. drop. Watched the it. Comeback? Uh, yeah, the comeback trail mm-hmm. is what it's called. The comeback trail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. De Niro and Tommy know. Lee Jones in the same movie. No, fuck that, dude. De Niro and Zach with Braff in the same movie. Oh, Are you right, me? right, right. Zach Braff is back in a big way mm-hmm. with this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really thought Zach Braff directed this thing because it was. Uh, he directed a film a few years ago, if you guys remember, with Michael Caine and Alan Arkin. 
and uh, some and, uh, Morgan Freeman. It was like an old person bank heist movie. Oh, he did that. Yeah, yeah. and oh. I was like, I was like, oh, I bet he's doing this too. He's like, that's his thing now to so direct old actors doing stuff. Right. But he didn't direct it. Huh. Some other Yahoo directed it. Interesting. But, what a bummer. Uh, yeah, we're not talking about the comeback trail, guys. Mm. We're talking about Dune, Dini Villeneuve's uh, science fiction epic masterpiece, hopefully, um, based on the 1960-whatever uh, novel by Frank Herbert that I'm in the middle of right now and loving. Mm. Actually, after I watched the trailer, I read a scene that's in the trailer. Oh, nice. Where the palm trees are burning. Oh, yeah. And, like, why the palm trees are running. I was like, that's awesome. Like, I didn't understand that when I saw the trailer. And I was like, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, just really, really exciting. What did you guys think of the Dune trailer? Didn't like the uh, Pink Floyd song that they used. But, again, I'm, I'm all in. I'm excited for this. Because, like, you know, Lynch's version is too off-story and just, you know, a little too Lynchian. But with also studio interference, which is weird, sci-fi's miniseries version of Dune has some of the worst acting I've ever seen, and like Ouch. really, really awful effects. Did you see Children of Dune sci-fi? Yes, and it's worse. Uh, <laughs> so I'm excited for this. It'll it'll be probably the first time it's re- the actual like power of the novel is on screen. Yeah, I agree. Jr., what do you think? You- I think it looks cool, you know, just in, in general, uh, you know, big fan of the books and, uh, I'm excited to see this. Are you going to reread the book? I really don't want to, <laughs> but I, I feel like if I read the, the books, I'd have to like plow through all six and, uh, I don't want to do that. I'm trying to like look at. I'm right by my bookshelf. I'm trying to see if I have a copy of all of them available right now. I don't. I'd have to go find the first one or listen to it, mm. um, and the second one. I put but, them all on my iPad, so I'm gonna try to read at least. I'm. I'm just. I'm. I'm really focused on trying to get through the first one before the film comes out. But I do want to read them all. I was gonna say. I. I don't know if you necessarily. Certainly don't need to read all of them. At least well, the that's first just one. JR's obsessive compulsive. You know. Oh right. Gonna... <laughs> well, it, it, you know, I want to. Re- it's been a long time since I've I've read, especially the first one. But mm. I, I wonder if I read the first one right now. If you know, I don't, I don't want. I don't want to do the thing where I sit in the theater or at home, and uh, I'm just like, you know, comparing like plot points and stuff. Sure. Maybe mm. I just want to enjoy the film for the for the film and not be one of those psycho fanboys. We'll That's fair. Yeah. I'm wor- what I'm worried about is that if I see the film, the film will be if the film is good, if it like lives up to how excited I am about it, then I it will take away my desire to read the book. Because, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, because when I saw Jackie Brown, I've seen Jackie Brown a hundred times, and then I finally read Rum Punch, and it like Rum Punch is like nothing to me. I just like I got through it, and I was just like, I'm all I'm thinking about is Jackie Brown the entire time I'm reading it. Oh right, right. You know, it's like ingrained in me. Yeah. So yeah. I just don't want the I don't want the book to be ruined. I'd, li- I'd rather read it beforehand. Mm. But uh, yeah, I'm very excited. I agree. The Floyd song doesn't work. I love the Floyd song though, but I don't love it in the trailer although i mean honestly i've watched the trailer maybe a dozen times now i Mm. watched it with jonathan yesterday at his house and it's 
bothering me less and less because now I'm more focused on the imagery that's happening during that song. I'm yeah. like, it's really cool shit going down. <laughs> so I'm just really, really jazzed mm. to see this thing. And I, I, I feel like it's definitely going to get pushed into next year. Mm. And I'm bummed about that. Well, so the the last statement that Warner Brothers put out when they, like right after they bumped Wonder Woman to Christmas, they said, it's going to stay in 2020. You think that's a lie? I don't think it's a lie. I think that they can't know that. I mean, it just yeah, depends okay. on how things are in December. Like you can't anticipate. I mean, yeah, it, like, it looks like it's, I mean, like for instance, Baton Rouge or Louisiana is in phase three now. So it seems like we're progressing towards, you know, some kind of like pseudo return to normality. But I mean, all it takes is like another like crazy spike to happen and then we're back to square yeah. one. So, And I think it's uh, it's interesting that, you know, the box office business is operating without its two biggest um, markets by far. Like Los Angeles is not opened. New York City has not opened their theaters, and uh, that's where a such a large percentage of their money comes from. Absolutely, and that's so why it's like, that's why Tenant made you know seventy percent of its budget when it opened. You know, because it's just not there's just not enough theaters, not enough people who even mm-hmm. realize that the theaters are open. Yeah, so. I mean, it was twenty. Did they make twenty million North American for the? Uh, yeah, I mean that's weekend, that's brutal. Plus, I, I'm saying like worldwide, I think they made like 150, yeah. right? It's ridiculous. Like those are tiny yeah. numbers for a movie mm-hmm. like that. So it's just pitiful. And that's his most expensive movie to date, as far oh. as I heard. So mm. it's just like, <laughs> I mean, they really they really put all their eggs in his basket, and now they're they're fucked for it. So, mm. and I think that's really the real reason behind Nolan. Like Nolan is like Spielberg. Like he's a he's a commercial thinker. You know, he's thinking about money. He's thinking about how he can finance his next film. And so when he's coming out on the, during the summer and saying everybody needs to see Tenet in the theater because it's like an important experience and all this kind of shit, like that that's because <laughs> he needs it to make money. Like it's not because he cares that you see it on a big screen. Like I don't believe that shit for a second. You know. If you really care, I mean, he shoots everything on film. Like, he'd be insisting everybody see it in, on film, you know? He'd be doing a road show with it like Tarantino or something, but mm. that's not important to him. He cares about the money. He needs it to make money so he can finance his next picture that's not based on, you know, some IPA, yeah. IPO, rather. <laughs> but anyway, Nolan blows. I'll be talking about Tenet later. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, I just want to talk real quick about I went pro on Letterboxd. And they have the stats page. Mm-hmm. I want to highly encourage anyone who has Letterbox to go pro. It's nineteen dollars for a year. I mean, and it's killer. Like I now can see year by year how many films I've watched. Oh, now this might shock and surprise you, <laughs> Kevin. How many films have you watched on Letterbox? Like, do you have like, uh, not your diary, but like your films? You know what I mean? Oh. Like, um, films, I, I don't know the exact number, but I think I want to say it's like 11 pages. Okay. So I've got 2,800 films, right? Mm-hmm. So like that's a, I would say it's like a middle average kind of, I mean, I think JR is like 8,000 or something cause he's insane. But me, a normal person who doesn't have a disease like JR does, I, you know, I watch a normal amount of movies or maybe, you know, above normal for most, most people, but for a letterbox user. Mm. And I have never watched more than my my top number for a year is 97 films that wow. i've seen from a year seriously yeah 
Is that wild? Wait, from a year? From or a year, as, as in every... not not within the year. Like within okay. the year, I watch you know two hundred and two hundred and ten or something like that. But okay. on average, okay. but like that, like I'm looking at all my all my years from nineteen twenty. Which is weird that it starts in 1920 because oh, okay. like mm. cinema started way before. I that. misunderstood. All right, yeah, sorry. 1920 all the way through 2020, mm-hmm. and I've got one year that I watched 97 films. Oh wow! And one year that I've watched 92 films from that year. Hmm. But it's just weird because I feel like I, you know, it feels like there's a lot more movies than 90 movies that come out every year, especially now. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. I mean, like, is that number 90 from 1960? No, yeah, like, no, it's like not. You, you hate classic cinema, so I'm sure you have I'd less than fuck 90 off. For... <laughs> I do not hate classic cinema. <laughs> hey, my highest rated decades include the 60s and 70s. So, mm. okay, yeah, chug on that, bud. Okay, although my <laughs> although my highest rated decade overall is the 90s. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, of course. So many five out of fives in the 90s. <laughs> yep, no, uh, not the year that I've watched. Right age. Right, exactly. The year that I've watched the most films from mm-hmm. is 2013. Wow. Such a random year, right? Indeed. Now, 2013, I, mean, I can look at the films that came out that year. Nymphomaniac. Mm-hmm. Uh, Were- Wolf of Wall Street. I've said Werewolf of Wall Street. Wolf of Wall Street, American <laughs> Hustle, Anchorman 2, mm-hmm. Lone Survivor. I mean, it's a lot of shit, but it's mixed in with some uh, some okay stuff. Yeah. It's just weird, though, right? Like, that I've seen that many movies from 2013. Such a strange year. I don't know. It's just such like a nothing year. It's like the Cleveland of years. (laughs) There's just nothing there. You know? I don't think about it. And then my second highest, 92 films, 1997. Wow. Yeah. Just random. Yeah. Feels random. 97, Year of the Jackal. Which oh, I did, yeah. which I have seen like a hundred times. Oh, okay. and Jackie oh. Brown, of course. Oh yeah, and the game. There's 97th in our year. Yeah. Anyways, so I I find it really interesting, and obviously I've watched you know out of the 2,800 movies I've watched, 2,300 of them are, are U.S. films. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds right. I know, right? Sounds right. And yeah. uh, 2,600 of them are in English. Mm. 250 are in French. Hey. Wow. I love French cinema. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, it breaks them down by by genre too. Like that's crazy. It's good. Two hundred and six. Okay, so that that leaves like twenty other movies for like I don't know Russian or Japanese or uh, whatever. Two hundred and fifty Spanish films, one hundred and ninety five German films, one hundred and forty Italian. Films. You you got to realize too that some of these films are in mul- bilingual, right? So yeah, they, that's they're right. Covering that's right. multiple. 98 Russian. So, so yeah, some of them are just American, right? With mm. a little bit of. Russian in it. Exactly, right. which would, I guess, count. I don't know. 47 Arabic films. Like, wow. I don't feel like I've seen 47 Arabic, but they're probably kind of like Syriana as an Arabic film because it has people speaking Arabic in yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Zero Dark Thirty. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, shit yeah, like Arabic. that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, anyways. And then they give you the lists, all the lists in your progress, like the Letterbox Top 250, which I didn't even realize existed. I didn't think, I didn't know there was a Letterbox Top 250. There's the Oscar Best Picture winners, which I've seen 42% of. IMDb top 250, 63%. The box office mojo all time 100. Edgar Wright's thousand favorite films. <laughs> Guillermo del Toro's film recommendations. Mm. Top 100 animated films. Top 100 documentaries. Which is my lowest number, 15%. I feel bad about that. I feel like I watched some documentaries, man, but mm. I have not seen shit. 
I Although, know. like, you know, Showa is on here, so it's like, you know, what are you, you know, right. what are you going to do? Yeah. And uh, Stop Making Sense. So it's not really, I mean, I don't know. It's, I guess, is that a documentary? I don't know. It's a concert film, right? Yeah. It's a concert film. Come on. Come on. And you the, know, but when the concert yeah, documentary yeah. has has a good enough director, it counts. It counts. Yeah. <laughs> when the director is important. Yeah, a, a director who went on to win uh, an Oscar, well, have like one of the most successful movies of all time, Oscar wise, mm-hmm. you know, like eight years later. <laughs> that was the last film to do that, right? To cover the Pro- top four, the big four or whatever. Or We're talking about silence, right? So. Yeah, but didn't as good as it gets do the same thing? I don't thing? know if it won this. The, uh, oh yeah, picture, picture direct. No, it didn't, did it won director? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Like, yeah. I yeah. Don't think it, picture, picture actor, picture. actress, director. It did win picture, didn't what? it? Pretty what? sure it did. I'm pretty sure it did too. Why would they let that win Best Picture? It's a great, it's, it's a great movie. That's why you're you're an asshole. <laughs> no, it didn't win Best Picture. Oh, it didn't. Oh, fuck you guys. <laughs> or if it did, it doesn't say so right in the beginning of the mm. Wikipedia feels, page. Okay. Feels like it would. It's feels the like first. It it. It's the most recent film to win both the lead acting awards. Okay. And then right, right. the first since Lambs. Right. And it's 140th on Empire Magazine's 500 Greatest Movies of All Time, JR. Suck on that. Empire Mo- what? Empire Movies? <laughs> Empire That's Magazine. Empire Magazine, bud. Like an empire. empire. The whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Read the rest of that list and then tell me how great that sounds. <laughs> yeah, I'm terrified. I'm sure Citizen Kane is number one. It has to be. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's get into what we watched here, fellas. Yeah. Let's stop. Let's do it. Stop beating around the bush, mm. okay? Um, now, who wants to begin? I will go first okay. because okay. So I rewatched The Outsiders, and I cried twice. Pussy. Exactly. Which parts? Uh, let's see the first the first part. Like I was starting to get like really really upset when like they go back to the church after they've decided to go back to town. They're going back to the church and it's on fire and all the kids are in danger. Like that really upset me. So I like really started tearing up. And mm-hmm. then when they got to the hospital, but then later on, like when uh, Ralph Macchio fucking kills it in this movie, he's fucking amazing. Like when he's talking about like you know. His character, Johnny, is, like, you know, 16 years old, and, like, he's, you know, he's talking about how he always was, like, contemplating suicide, but then, like, he realizes that, you know, he doesn't want to die because 16 years isn't long enough to live. I just came to, like, totally came to pieces. Yeah. Yeah. Is this why you watch Cobra Kai? Well, no. Uh, I had been meaning to, (laughs) I had been meaning to rewatch The Karate Kids, like, forever. And it just happened that Cobra Kai is now on Netflix, so it was a lot easier. Killer, man. Yeah. I, I would have watched Cobra Kai if I had known you were powering through it. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's fairly quick to get through. So I want to I watch it. I just haven't got around to it yet. Yeah. I had to watch um, the first episode of Raised by Wolves, oh. the uh, HBO Max sci-fi show from right, Ridley Scott right. that Ridley Scott directed the pilot of. Oh, okay. And uh, I'll tell you, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't oh. know. it's uh i mean you know it's like it's pretty like 
budget looking at certain points, which I'm surprised by. Although it is like an HBO Max original. It's not on HBO. It's on just the Max app, I guess. So it's like, you know, it's like a CBS All Access kind of thing. Mm. And uh, there's just certain scenes that don't look good at all. And then um, some of the costuming is a little questionable. Mm. I don't don't know. And the story (laughs) is a little... uh, We'll see. You know, okay. we'll see. Okay. I'm going to watch the second episode, third maybe. There are five episodes in, so I'll, I might check out the rest of it. I got nothing else to do. Yeah. Okay. You should let me know if I should watch that and won't, or if I should not watch it and won't. Fair enough. I will either recommend I am interested. or not. <laughs> <laughs> well, you watched the other, that other Ridley Scott thing, The Terror, right? Did he do that? Yeah, he did. He did? Yeah. No, Frank Frank Darabont did the terror. No, Ridley Scott is a producer, at least on the terror. Oh well, yeah, I watched the terror, and well, the first season of the terror. Really liked the first season of the terror because, again, mm-hmm. also uh, another one of my favorite books. Oh yeah, <clears throat> sucked me in enough. What did I just make are, are this you... up? I f- I swear to God, Ridley Scott had something to do with the terror. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. Oh yeah, it's from Scott Free Productions. Yeah. Yes. Bingo. <laughs> He didn't direct. He didn't I didn't. Direct say, I didn't him. say he directed it. I said he. I think he produced it oh. or his executive producer or something like that. Oh, okay. He I might have directed one of the episodes like, or something. I don't think he did, but and but I, I think I did make up that Frank Darabont did it. Yeah, Frank Darabont oh, has nothing totally to do with it. it. <laughs> You're out of your fucking mind. I don't know why I thought he did that, but uh, the terror. At least the first season is good. I didn't hear anything good about the uh, the Japanese internment yeah. camp season. Was not mm. interested in that at all. I'm still interested in the first season. I just haven't got around to watching it. Mm. Well, what are you gonna do? You know. Yeah. <laughs> um. <clears throat> anyway, yeah. Ridley Scott is an executive producer. Okay. On the show. Along Isn't with, he an executive producer on like a lot of things? Well, there's about there are, there is about 17 other producers on the show also. So <laughs> he's probably just a name only kind of thing, but right. you know. Yeah. Still. Well, and you know, you know that, so his name probably was involved in the marketing. I just didn't oh, remember. Of course, oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Of course. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um you're done talking about uh Outsiders? Outsiders is 5 out of 5. Five out of five. I think I gave it a four. God I, damn. I, I liked it I, when I watched like, it last. But. I've seen it like a bajillion times. Like uh, when my brother and I were younger, like we, you know, watched it like a million bajillion times. And like it's been a long time since I'd seen it. But yeah, it's like, wow. It just floored me. It was so good. Well, that's where really Where good. is it on your uh, Francis Ford list? <laughs> Number two. If I had to, if I had to do a list right now, which would be unfair because I haven't seen all of his movies, but behind Apocalypse, yeah, number one would be Apocalypse, oh. then it would be Outsiders, then it would be Godfather One. That's such a weird list. I know, I know. Like, I'm, <laughs> like I'm, sh- I'm sure any cinephiles Outsiders out there are, are like just you know like they're like going full scanners right now. Their brains are exploding. It's like, dude, it, go ahead. That's, no, that's it's silly. Like, not silly, but first, you're probably right. A lot of people would hear that and think that's dumb, but <laughs> like there's like so many of his movies are good to mm. gr- like to great, and they they hit people differently emotionally. So I think it's like you're allowed to have uh, you're allowed to 
It makes sense that you would have like, something it. that just wallops you up at the top. Right, right. I think that uh, it also depends on like when you see things, right? I mean, like, oh, when I, sure. like when I saw The Outsiders in high school, I wasn't very impressed with it. And mm. then I rewatched it and liked it a lot more, you know? Mm. So, I mean, it just depends on where you're at in your life, too. You yeah. Know? And I think, like, like <clears throat> you know, t- on a technical level, it probably isn't his best. But, like, on an emotional level, like, it was one that I really, really responded to. And I think that's that's something that gets overlooked a lot of times, especially with directors like Francis Ford Coppola. Sure. If you asked me for my list when I was 16 and had seen The Godfather on TV once at the age of 13 and hated it, I think my list would have had to be number one, Jack, number two, The Outsiders. Jesus Christ. And then just at the very bottom, uh, The Godfather. Mm. <laughs> that order has changed since I was 16. Right. JR, do me a favor, man. Turn your mic down half a millimeter. Now All say right. everything you just said. <laughs> now I just want to make you were peeking, and I just want, I think I don't, I don't want you know, okay. I don't want you to be peeking the entire episode because then you sound better now. It looks better now on the screen anyway. Sorry, the moment's gone. Yeah, the I, moment's gone. It's fine. Oh, They'll, I'll just cut all that out, and you know you have yeah, no, you, you have no opinion about Coppola. Yeah. <laughs> for me, okay uh, for me, uh, Godfather Godfather Two is number two. Right on, right, right on my list of okay. of uh, Coppola films, but oh yeah, and then Dracula is somewhere way high up there too. So. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love Dracula. Yeah. <clears throat> well, that's your. Uh, we're gonna call that one your. That's stupid my, emotional response. That's movie. fair. <laughs> uh, and Twixt, Twixt is mine. Exactly, exactly. Right, very right, good, right. very good, very good. Right. I'd like to rewatch some too, like Youth Without Youth, and um, maybe mm. watch Rain Twixt. People again. Yeah. Not Twixt. Never gonna watch Twixt again. <laughs> Brutal, brutal. What was the lawyer movie he did? Was it Rainmaker? A Rainmaker. I've never seen Rainmaker. Yeah. Oh, okay, that's one of his like it's for hire like blockbuster. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I never saw Cotton I Club that one recently. Mm. Yeah, the um, yeah Rainmaker is, is not. It's just not interesting. Like there's mm. there's nothing to like latch onto in that movie. Mm. Um, all. It's like any other but, John Grisham film. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. And Although, just like all all of those movies, it's way too long. Like, why is the firm over two and a half hours long? <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. Never seen the firm. You know, I I always did like a Time to Kill, though. I was always a big fan of that. But I can mm. see its problems, but I still have a soft spot for it. <clears throat> I like uh, Samuel Jackson. The whole you know that trailer moment. Oh yeah. Yes, they deserve to die, and I hope they burn in hell. That, yeah. <laughs> that's good stuff. Anyway, I watched uh, Tesla <clears throat> from this year. Uh, directed by uh, Amareda, I think is his name, right? Michael Amareda. Yeah, Miguel. Miguel. Miguel? No, Michael. 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 <laughs> this guy's trying to <laughs> super. I've got all Spanish the bad eyes. information today. Yeah. yeah. Um, Michael Amareda, uh, starring Ethan Hawke as Nikola Tesla, and uh, it's good. It's. I mean, when I say it's good, I mean it's watchable and enjoyable and easy to watch and get through. And I mean, this might sound like. A bit of a bias because I like Kyle MacLachlan, but he's very good in it as mm. Edison. He plays the part with this smug assholeishness <laughs> that uh, really, really works. And I can imagine Edison was like that, mm. just being you know, by virtue of the fact that he was, you know, I mean, he sort of had the right to be that way. But um, <clears throat> I, I will say the weak, the weak link in this movie. You guys ready for this? Don't say John Hawks. 
Is John Hawk's in this? Is he? I don't think so. Wait, am I thinking of another? Ethan Hawk is in this. Can we make up something else in the next three minutes too? Delete that. I just want to just want to keep making up shit. We're on a roll. (laughs) Yeah, go ahead. (laughs) Um, No, the weak link is Ethan Hawk and his performance. Oh man, and uh, I don't know that it's his fault necessarily. I feel like he was directed to be sort of uh, really reserved and quiet, Mm -hmm. and maybe that's how Tesla was. But like, he's so. Uh, non-demonstrative, and it's just it gets boring after a while watching him just be like, mm. you know, electricity is very important and powerful, and one day I will power the world. You know, <laughs> it's just like, and he never like he, he literally never comes above a whisper in the entire film. Like it's just constant uh, mm. whispering at people in scenes. Everybody else surrounding him is terrific, and Ethan Hawke obviously, you know, proven. A uh, great actor. I have no issue with him. I think he's very good. He's this is just a misstep. I think in his mm. performance. I think he should have made different decisions. Uh, I, I I thought that the 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 way that the film is anachronistic. How you know Edison pulls out an iPhone at one point, and uh, the the lady who is J P Morgan's daughter actually she um, is on googling things online throughout the entire film as like the narrator. I don't mind any of that. I think they could have went further with it and done more with it, had more shit like that happening because it's, it's, there's not a whole lot of points of that. And mm-hmm. I don't think that you get, I don't think that they do a good job of, of conveying the fact that it's because of Tesla's advances and his thinking that some of that stuff is the way it is now, you know, right, or that right. that was like his dream. Um, the shit at the, like towards the end, he goes out to Colorado, which I didn't even know about. He goes to Colorado to like study lightning and stuff and he builds like this gigantic building that's a huge lightning rod essentially mm. and i liked all that shit a lot i liked the way it looked uh the landscapes were beautiful but um yeah i mean it just wasn't didn't bowl me over i thought it was going to be more kind of like out there and strange mm. than it was so three and a half but you know mm. still i mean for 2020 i mean it's yeah. still up there you know <laughs> right, right right the uh the latest season of doctor who Mm-hmm. was made available on HBO Max finally finally been waiting for so long um and one of the episodes of the season has a has a Tesla episode Ooh. with uh what's his name Goran Goran Viznich oh Viznich no yeah yeah Goran he's a uh, like that he's Tesla and it's uh sounds like it's a much different performance <laughs> um, that's fair Tesla Tesla has a lot, lot of personality and uh, and a big voice. That's the thing is that yeah, it's like everything I know about Tesla, he's like Howard Hughes, like he's a crazy man, he's eccentric and mm. weird, and they convey a little bit of that. Like he is, he's a, he does some strange things, he has some odd behaviors, but it's more like he's antisocial or something in this. Like mm. he just like despises everyone and <laughs> like can't hold a conversation. But for some reason, J.P. Morgan's daughter is you know in love with him, which mm. I don't know how true that is either. I don't know, but. Um, when was the last time you saw The Prestige? Oh, Jesus. The theater. <laughs> Jeez, wow. <laughs> I hate Nolan, man. I can't. I'm scared I, to go back and, and like that and have to have to tell myself that Nolan's made two good movies. It's scary. <laughs> I don't know. I figured you would have like scheduled a hate watch or something. You know? I mean, I love Bowie. I think I remember. Yeah, yeah. I remember like, <laughs> enjoying that he was in the film, but I don't remember mm. anything about it, really. Okay. Anyways, that's Tesla. Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay, sorry. 
I um I watched the new a lot of HBO Max content today. Watched the uh, the new HBO Max original movie, Unpregnant, last night. Um, my wife was very interested in seeing this, and uh, we were kind of in a, a movie mood yesterday, which is rare, nice. rare in this house for for us to both. For you both, exactly. Mm. <laughs> yeah, sorry, <laughs> sorry, that needs clarification. Um, and this has a uh, Haley Lou Richardson in it. And she was in Support the Girls, which I loved a couple years ago. And now, is that a couple of things that I've liked. Is that the star or the supporting girl? Yeah, the star. Okay. The uh, like the the tiny girl, right? The tiny girl who gets pregnant. Okay. And uh, yeah, she recruits this former, um, we'll call her an estranged childhood best friend, to drive her across the country, like from Missouri to Albuquerque, to get an abortion in Missouri. In this movie, at least. Uh, a 17 year old has to have the uh, consent of a parent to get an abortion and she doesn't want to tell her her Jesus parents and yeah so it's a it's a teen comedy road trip sort of romance uh, abortion movie which is like a lot of movies crammed into one mm. um, this movie works very hard to like normalize abortion, which is either like pretty cool for you or, um, you know, like really not cool. Like there's a, there's a world, um, in which the movie cuties doesn't exist. And this movie is getting like the petitions to like cancel HBO max and stuff instead of Netflix. Um, but yeah, other than that, they're like the five credited screenwriters just work really hard to cram every like teen comedy trope they can into this hour and a half. And, uh, you know, it's not like any of the content and stuff is just like bad or crummy or poorly performed. It's just like it's just too much thrown at the wall for any of like the tougher emotional content to, uh, to stick. And mm. um, this movie is very much like the very the acclaimed movie that came out earlier this year. Never, rarely, sometimes, always, you know, not in tone at all. That movie has no no chill and no sense of humor at all. Uh, but both pregnancy movies revolve around this high school female friendship. And uh, while this movie definitely is not as good as Never Rarely, Sometimes Always, that central friendship is much better and more interesting in Unpregnant, for sure. Um, I don't know. If you guys haven't seen a movie with Haley Richardson, I'm curious what you think. I think she is just like an incredible present. She's like this really sunny and charming person and who is somehow never overbearing or annoying um it's it's a it's a hard thing to pull off i think and her her best friend barbie ferreira you know she's sarcastic and funny and it's effective and their uh their relationship works the moments when they fight work the moments when their friends works the moments when they sing kelly clarkson are stupid but they also work and uh yeah so i like Haley richardson more than this movie but there are things to recommend if you want to watch a teen comedy, I will definitely watch this. Uh, the Barbie Ferreira is in HBO's um, Euphoria TV mm. show, oh, so no and she's very good in it. She's one of the one of the better actors in that show. I mean, there's a lot. Is that of, show good? It's um, you know, it's like. It's good in the way that uh, the People versus O.J. Simpson was good. It's like uh, super trashy. Mm. Like uh, I mean, it's very well made. It's extremely well made. Um, 
but it's like extremely like trying to be controversial all the time in every moment of its existence. And I hate Zendaya a lot. Uh, I can't I just don't like her. <laughs> I don't like her presence on mm. screen. It bothers me for some reason, but she is fine in it. I mean, she does her job and she is in Dune. So I have to get used to her. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> got to, you got to, Maybe are you, you just like, are you watching everything on HBO right now? Is that, is that no, a thing that happens? God, no, I watched euphoria months ago. Like when the pandemic first started in March, I okay. powered through Euphoria season one, uh, and I mean I'm watching Sopranos very slowly with my buddy Rustin, and because uh, he's not as into it as I thought he would be, <laughs> he was liking it. Like the first two seasons, like we powered through, and now we're just like at a snail's pace, and we're just mm-hmm. barely into season four, and like shit's about to go down for real, and it's getting really fucking good, and uh. he just like. It's like, yeah, maybe we'll watch another episode next weekend. You know, it's just like, come on, man. I mean, to be I fair, this, this seem, it seems like totally like not his scene. I mean, it's really funny. He likes funny shit. The yeah. show's very funny. And he finds How many video games are in it? Oh, exactly. Yeah. Not not many. Yeah. Not many. He you know, that's that that is I mean, that is the truth of it too, is that his his time is a hundred percent consumed with playing Destiny. And going out to GameStop and picking up Destiny discount like, games. Yeah, he posts he posts about buying new games all the time. He's still he just playing that one. He doesn't play. Game. He doesn't play any games. He buys them and puts them on a shelf. Okay. He literally only plays. He'll play like the brand new AAA titles. Like he played Ghost of Tsushima. He beat it. He played Last of Us Two. He beat it. But Destiny is constant. He's always playing Destiny. Like every huh. single day of his life. He's got a guy he works with. And they play together every single night, and they grind constantly for shit. And uh, it's like <laughs> literally all he cares about. Mm. How um, how many PlayStation Fours does he have? He just bought, if I'm not mistaken, he just bought his third one. You should uh, you should talk to him for me. I need uh, my PS3 broke, which means my Blu-ray player broke. You uh, had a PS3? <laughs> yeah, as a Blu-ray player. They're about to come out with a PS5, and- man. <laughs> Yeah, but that's going to be like a million dollars. And PS fours are still like, why are they still so expensive? It doesn't make any sense. How expensive? Hundred and fifty? They're like, no, they're more than that. They're they're at least like two fifty for like the mm-hmm. the basic bitch one. And I'm like, I need a Blu ray player, <laughs> but just, I want my Blu ray just... player to be able to play the re release of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater One and Two. Oh fucking hell, um, man! I'm about to buy that too. As soon as I get paid again, I'm buying that shit. <laughs> So it's the only video game I've wanted to play in, in forever. Uh, so Why don't yeah, you I need just, to buy a PS4. You should just buy like a cheapo Blu-ray player and then buy a PS1 and buy the original Tony Hawk's 1 and 2. <laughs> yeah, or get, right. a, get a PlayStation emulator on your computer. There, That's true, too. You can only oh, buy an emulator or download do an emulator. Yeah, because like I was, I was doing research into like whether I should get like a Wii U or a Switch, and I'm like... Nah, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna stick with the emulators because this this is ridiculous. I mean, I would encourage you to look at um, I would encourage you to look at uh, Facebook Marketplace. Oh, no, yeah. Facebook Marketplace. eBay's gonna fuck you. 
eBay, I just, I'm literally, I just looked at eBay. They're like three hundred dollars for like the cheapest ones. Yes, ridiculous. it's yeah, it's insane. I don't understand. But like marketplace, you'll mm. find people around you who are trying to just get rid of that shit for drug money or whatever, and you can go pick up one for one hundred and fifty yeah. bucks. You know, yeah, probably wouldn't have a controller or something like that. You know, but you can go I, buy a controller. Yeah, I don't know. It's, we get, we can talk about this later, but it's like, do you get a, a PS4 or an Xbox One? What's what's better? What's different? But uh, I mean, for you, yeah. I don't think that would matter very much because you're not a gamer, so you're just looking for. You're looking to play that 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 one game, which is available on both consoles, as far as I know. And uh, do play do either of them have a backwards compatibility? I like believe if I got an Xbox. The one, Xbox could I play Burnout Paradise. Yeah, I believe the Xbox is backwards compatible, like all the way. And PS4 is compa- or PS5 is compatible with PS4 games, but I don't think that goes back further than that. If that's okay. as far as I know. I'm not a gamer. Please don't yell at us. I don't know anything about video games. Oh. This is all based on what yeah. I've read on articles and what I talked to my buddy Rustin about, who does know everything. Should we? <laughs> we, we should put in like a, a note in the editing. Uh, skip ahead five minutes if you are <laughs> triggered by people talking about video games when they don't know anything about exactly, video games. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No, no trigger warning for the abortion stuff. I'm Just literally, yeah, I'm literally looking games. forward to uh, Mafia, the remake of Mafia that's coming out at the end of this month. That's the only game I care about. I don't care about uh, all the other shit that's supposed to whatever that Cyberpunk seventy seven or whatever the fuck it is. I don't care about that. Like I don't. I literally could give a fuck about any new games. Really, just want to play Tony Hawk and Mafia. Like it's two thousand one again. You know. Yeah, that's what yeah. I've been doing. Well, like, playing like Super Mario sixty four. <laughs> yeah, there you go. The uh, the and Switch. Goldeneye. The Switch just released uh, 60, Super Mario sixty four, mm. Mario Galaxy, and one other one i can't remember what it was and they were as like a three pack oh yeah yeah yeah. if i had a switch i would definitely get that mm. see i'm not a gamer i don't have a switch so and this yeah. is this has been an episode of nostalgia corner <laughs> you want me to talk to Rustin about selling you one of his ps4s is that what you were trying to get out earlier that's yeah that's what i was joking about but you're joking the, about it you're being i mean because he's far away i could I, well I he can mail facebook it to you I mean, <laughs> yeah i would check facebook marketplace if you absolutely can't find something let me know though i'll talk to him he's not doing one of those like chappy things where he's like stringing no. them together <laughs> to make him more powerful is he? i i mean no, no offense to him i don't think he has the the wherewithal to do something okay. like that i mean i know i don't yeah so i certainly don't i don't know how you do that i know that that's something that that, that is done that's based mm. on reality but because yeah, they're yeah. very powerful but uh no, he has a PS a PS Pro, a PS4 Pro that he plays. It's like a God of War edition. That's the main thing he plays. And then I'm pretty sure he has his original PS4 that he bought. And then he just he literally just bought another PS4 from our from Jonathan. Actually. Oh right, right. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I don't know why. I have no idea why. And I talked to Jonathan. And he said he said I didn't ask him why because I was afraid he would change his mind. So I just <laughs> sold it to him immediately. <laughs> just gotta gotta get that money. Yeah. Anyway. Um, Kevin? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, yeah, having, you know, been, been on like a Ralph Macchio kick lately, uh, went back and watched the for the original three Karate Kid movies. And uh, I would say the, the first one is pretty decent. Uh, it was a four. Um, I think, like... I would say my biggest problem with all three of the movies is that, like, some of the writing becomes, like, kind of inconsistent, like, even within the movies. Um, mm. And they're all entirely too long. They're all, like, over two hours, and they absolutely do not need to be. I remember the second one being, like, really annoyingly long. 
Yeah, and and yeah, like there there's some yeah stuff in the second one, like you know, because they're dealing with like like in the second one they go to uh, Okinawa because Mr. Miyagi's father is about to pass away, and like turns out there's some dude who's had like a blood vendetta against him because uh, he like. He fell in love with the girl that his buddy was supposed to marry, and then the girl didn't marry him, and so, you know, you have disgraced my honor! Yeah. And, uh, which, I mean, I, I can see it to a certain extent, but the way they the way they play it up is very, very Hollywood and very just kind of ridiculous. I just remember being bored. I was like, I don't care about this blood feud because yeah. I don't know these people. Like, I don't, I'm not worried about these characters. Like, if the blood feud was about... You know, like, I don't know if it was more about the karate kid, Daniel-san, yeah, which, yeah. I mean, he's, like, involved with it for some reason, as I recall. He has to fight yeah, that guy yeah. at the end, but yeah, because... I love that fight at the end. Oh, the fight. He beats the yeah, shit the out of the guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh... That, the, uh... that instrument thing that they start tapping? Yeah, the little little drum. Yeah, super cool. Yeah. And then, um... Let's see, what else? I remember uh, this is a weird tangent, but I remember seeing like like looking up the soundtrack and like seeing that there was a Gang of Four song on there, and I was mm. like, "What?" And like if <laughs> you would you would not know that it's Gang of Four because it sounds like so ridiculously eighties. Um, but yeah, first one is first one is good. Second one is eh, it's okay. It's uh, I think I gave it like three and a half. But then you get to the third yeah, one. Yeah, brass just, tax, third yeah, one. Let's it's, go. It's just stupid. Okay, but but so much fun, right? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> the third one is a blast. I. It's so ridiculous that it yeah. becomes amazing. <laughs> to a certain to a certain extent, it does because like uh, like I could do I could I could have done without like the you know some of the goons who are in it, but like Terry Silver, the the main oh, guy, who's he's like so like amazing. The, so, the sociopathic, <laughs> yeah. Like, I love it when he pounds him yeah. <laughs> at the end. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Like him and Reese together. Oh, yeah. Just amazing. They're just so evil for no reason. Like they hate this 15-year-old kid or whatever. They just know. like want to. Uh, yeah. I, I had a blast watching it the last yeah. time I watched it. And his, uh, his mansion that he lives in is that uh, Frank Lloyd Wright building from Blade Runner. Oh. <laughs> like he literally wow. lives in this like science fiction house. It's so ridiculous. Right. Oh man, and yeah. So then, after after watching those three, then I watched uh, Cobra Kai, which like I enjoy many parts of Cobra Kai. Like I like a lot of the characterization and how like uh, you know they're like not painting anyone as like totally good or totally bad. Like they're they're doing that, but then like some some of it becomes like absolutely ridiculous, and like they're and you know because because it's you know nostalgic for the 80s they get a little sometimes they get a little too into that for my taste but overall i would say i would say the series is good yeah i'll definitely and i'm looking forward to the third one because now i'm just like chomping at the bit for it i think i watched most if not all of the pilot when it was first it was released for free on youtube mm. and um I remember, yeah, thinking thinking it was like better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, like, less stupid and goofy than I thought it was going to be. Mm. Like it's you know pretty all right. Yeah, so cool. Yeah. Oh, I thought Jr. was going to say something. Oh, I, I thought about <laughs> it, and uh, just say I'm going to watch the uh, second one 
in the next couple of weeks because I'm doing the, a 1986 Ooh. Rudy the Oscars with friends, yeah. uh, and ah. I'm sure I'm sure it's going to be in competition for several awards. Absolutely, I've, I've never, I don't think I've ever seen it. It's going to be oh, okay. in competition for awards. Karate Kid Two. Oh, yeah, yeah I, I'm kidding. Okay, but okay. I do want to. I do want. <laughs> I thought you were it. serious. I was like, do your friends like love Karate Kid Two for some reason? Like, what is wrong with them? No, they do love uh, some dumb shit from that year. Like, uh, well, two movies I'll talk about. Oh, but, uh, Platoon. You hate Platoon. I forgot. I don't like Platoon. The, but I, I, that's not a movie I was going to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I, I feel like I've talked about that enough. I hey, like color I about platoon. Last time I watched it, color of money from that year also. Oh yeah, that's. I mean, that's at the. That, that might be at the top right now of what I've rewatched. Blue Velvet. Mm. You nah, can't. This, this is a strong year, man. Down by Law, The Fly. Well, it is. Yeah. <laughs> Malanoche. Absolutely. I love Absolutely Malinoche. a strong year. Wisdom. You gonna watch Wisdom? I don't know. Should, I should watch Wisdom? I watched Wisdom maybe a handful of times when I was very young, like in my early teens, like 12, 13, 14 years old, and I was like blown away. I loved it so much. But then again, it's like its narrative is built around this ridiculous conceit that uh, kind of deflates it at the end of the movie. Like there's a twist at the end of the movie, and it's really like it's a thing that's very like kind of cheesy and overwrought and done a lot, and, and nobody likes this kind of twist. Mm. And uh, – it kind of ruins the film for a lot of people, I think. But I remember thinking it was awesome, and I was really into like bank robbery films back then, and it's all about bank robbery. So, <laughs> but I don't know. I have never watched it since, and uh, it's not available. It wasn't available on iTunes, anyways. Last time I checked. So, mm. but uh, yeah, I don't know. Eighty six, strong. Oh man, something wild. <laughs> River's yeah, Edge. That one's on. Uh... That one's on HBO Max. River's Edge, man. Something wild. You, you, lo- you love Manhunter. That shit's on there. I'm sorry. I'm just looking at yeah. all, all the movies I've seen from this year. Yeah. <laughs> I was... Sid and Nancy? Good God. Wow. I was trying to get a bunch of uh, movies in that you guys could weigh in on today. Um, and then I watched Wimbledon and I'm pregnant instead. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's well, I, I am planning to rewatch Platoon because I've got a couple of Oliver Stone movies that I'm going to rewatch. Well, I'm a big fan of Platoon, so I mean, we could have had a massive debate about that, about why you don't like it. But anyway, I, I was a big fan of Platoon like back in the day. You haven't seen it in a while. I haven't seen it in forever. But, yeah, let's, like, uh, I was also a big fan of JFK and oh, Nat- see, well, <laughs> yes, yeah, so okay. I'm, I'm, I don't so, know. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know either. But I've, but I've also <laughs> yeah, I, got ideally, uh, born on the Fourth of July and Nixon. So good, good. Yeah, I never seen Nixon, but ideally, Kevin, when you do watch it, you know. Uh, Hopefully you'll be the bridge between my hatred and Kevin's love, or and, John, and John's love. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> you don't know my name. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I watched uh, the Outpost, which is uh, from director. Wait for it. I forgot his name. I was talking all about him on the text earlier. Rod Lurie, who uh, JR has not seen any of Rod Lurie's films, mm. which uh, I feel like travesty. he might be the biggest. I mean, he's not a big director, but he might be the biggest director that JR has seen nothing from. Mm. He has not seen The Last Castle or The Contender or the Straw Dogs remake. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I don't know. I like. I remember loving The Contender and The Last Castle a lot. They're both on my uh, list of potential deep dives. But uh, The Outpost was surprisingly good. Um, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I didn't think I was going to be, I, it's it's a story about this, um, base that was in Afghanistan 
you know, back in like the early two thousands. And, um, when that whole conflict was like raging hard and it's like this weird spot because they put this base in the middle of this valley where it has mountains on like 360 degrees of mountains all around it. Mm -hmm. So it's like a very, very dangerous uh, location Mm. and they were just constantly attacked by the Taliban and like people would constantly get shot. And like this, it's essentially the story of like, it leads up to this, like this huge battle sequence at the end where, you know, it's like the final battle there, but there, they go through like four different C like COs, like commanding officers. Mm -hmm. And, uh, each one of them, they just like one dies and then they just ship another one in and that one dies. They ship (laughs) another one in, you know? (laughs) And, uh, it's like, it's like, just like a cursed outpost Mm. and it's got Caleb Landry Jones Oh yeah! In what I think might be his best performance, even though he is at eleven, like he always is, you know, he's out of control. But um, oh, yeah, yeah. but he's I don't know, he's he's pretty good. He has he has a, a great moment at the end. Actually, this movie was trending towards a three and a half for me, and then at the end, he has this amazing. Have you seen Captain Phillips? No. This Captain Phillips esque scene. Uh, with uh, so at the end of Captain Phillips, not to, I'm not spoiling anything, but there's this amazing scene where Tom Hanks. Uh, this is why he got whatever nominations he got that year. I think he didn't get nominated for an Oscar, but he got the Golden Globe nomination, and um, he should have got an Oscar nomination for this scene alone, where he has his like mental breakdown after he's rescued, you know. And uh, the scene at the end of the Outpost is extremely similar. It's like Caleb Landry Jones talking to a psychiatrist after the battle that he's seen like he loses a bunch of friends and stuff Mm. and he has like this moment where he breaks down and starts crying and stuff and i just thought it was very compelling and worked really well and uh i was very impressed and i haven't been super impressed with his acting you know i like him as a presence on screen like he's weird and everything you know and i liked him in like uh like the twin peaks the return he's in and um he's Mm. very strange and creepy in that and (laughs) uh get out and stuff like that but like I, th- I thought his acting was actually more nuanced and uh, skilled in this movie. Cool. Isn't he in um, one of those Brandon Cronenberg movies? Is he an antiviral? I don't know. He's not in Possessor, as far as I know. I think he's an antiviral. Yeah, that's fair. I yeah, I've, I've downloaded antiviral. I haven't watched it yet. Mm. But um, he's in. Uh, he was in three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri. Also, mm. but he's kind of just there to be beaten up by Sam Rockwell. That's his big scene. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I liked, I mean, I don't know. I like the outpost. I think it's a little bit of a hidden gem. Maybe I think not many people are going to see it. And it's got this weird thing where the, they cast like a ton of sons of famous people in it. Like mm-hmm. Mick Jagger's son is in it. Oh. Clint Eastwood's son is in it. Mm. Uh, I want to say maybe Attenborough's grandkid is in it. Hmm. Let me just look. Uh, Quentin Tarantino did that for once upon a time in Hollywood, but with uh, daughters. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Like Maya Hawk and. uh, Right. You know, Mimi. I think it's Mimi Rogers' daughter, whoever leads Brad Pitt to the. uh, Oh, yeah. That's Mimi Rogers' daughter? It's it's it maybe not maybe Rogers it's someone. Oh, I didn't know she I'm was sorry, somebody's daughter. Mm. She's yeah, she she like is a famous a person's daughter. Oh, okay. This also has um Milo Gibson. This is Mel Gibson's son. Oh, and he wow. looks just like Mel Gibson. It's pretty weird. Wow. <laughs> but yeah, there's like a lot of uh, sons of famous people. 
Mm. But um, and Scott Eastwood is the weak link here. Like he is not. I don't know what his deal is. Like oh, he yeah. is so trying to be his father. Like when he he has these he has those the same he's like doing the Eastwood imp- like expressions. Ugh. You know, like <sighs> like that the the teeth and everything. I just can't. I don't know what he's doing. Like why why are you trying to act like Clint, bud? You can't. You know, it's yeah. like you think you'd want to separate yourself. <laughs> he has a couple of moments where he's like. You know, he's. I feel like he'd be really good in like an like as like an action lead in like an action movie more mm. than any. Like he's not a very good actor. He almost has like a. He almost feels like he might have a little charisma if he got into the right role, mm. but he's just not. He, I don't know, man. He's so <laughs> trying to be his dad. It's just brutal. It's, but anyway, terrible. Yeah, this was pretty pretty solid. Mm. And I followed. I just real quick. I'll just say I followed this up with uh, Black Hawk Down because it just made me want to rewatch Black Hawk Down really bad. Mm-hmm. And Black Hawk Down is not good at all. Like it's, Ooh. I mean, it's not like the worst movie I've ever seen, but it's like, man, is it? It's one of them. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it's just like the one thing I'd say it has going for it is that it's like literally nonstop action. Once mm-hmm. the action starts, like it doesn't stop. Like there's mm-hmm. very few scenes that are quiet. Right, it's nonstop. Right. Like people just shooting at each other and gunfire and helicopters crashing and people getting blown away. But uh, and there's a few moments that are like. Like, I love the, I've always liked the scene where these two special forces guys are in the helicopter, or they're in, yeah, they're in a helicopter, and uh, they keep radioing in to say, like, they're like, we can, like, nobody can get to the crash sites, because they're blocking all the roads and stuff. Mm. They're like, well, let us go, and we'll go on foot, and we'll go to the crash sites. And they're like, the people, the CEOs are like, no, like, Sam Shepard's like, you can't do that, like, it's too dangerous. And they keep asking, keep asking, and then finally, they're they're like, you know, you understand that we can't, like, we can't guarantee you that there there will be backup like anytime soon and they're like that's fine we just want to go help and then they go and help and they just get annihilated like instantly and i was i always found that like really like just compelling that these guys would just immediately sacrifice themselves just to go and save these guys lives for a few minutes you know right right <laughs> because they just they really get and then like one of the one of the guys gets killed and the other guy runs up and gives uh the the injured pilot like a magazine for his gun and he's like so and so's down you know he's like uh He's like, good luck. And then he runs back out and starts firing again. And it's like, that's the last time he sees that guy. And it's just like, really, it's kind of sad, you know. Mm. But the rest of it, I don't know. It's just kind of like very conventional, rah, rah, war, American, uh, you know, feel bad for the Americans who attack this, <laughs> these people. And say not, not to, I mean, not to say that they don't portray the Somalis as being absolutely, you know, pieces of shit evil. They do. They show them like firing on civilians to stop them from eating food at the beginning of the movie. Mm. But it's it's just like oh, really heavy handed and lame. Oh, right, and, uh, right. Yeah, I don't. It was just it just did nothing for me this time. Mm. Tom Sizemore it was great to see Tom Sizemore in something. Tom Sizemore is great. He he's, was terrific. He's an underrated this personality. This was one of the last things he did before he went into meth addiction and everything and lost his career. But he's pretty good in it. Yeah. Uh, he's he plays a kind of a general Patton type like he's unafraid of the gunfire he's just walking calmly through the battle you know that kind mm. of thing but even that's a little lame you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not his fault all right um so yeah two and a half Black Hawk Down didn't didn't work ouch I mean I remember watching that and thinking oh this is just strengthening uh, your argument that really Scott's not good yeah yeah of course yeah but um oh and, and also I just want to clear to Correct myself with my bad information again. Uh, Margaret Qualley, Margaret once Qualley, upon a time yeah. in Hollywood. She is the daughter of Andy McDowell. Oh, I did not know that. Oh, uh, 
I yeah. did not know that. She's so much better looking than Andy McDowell ever was. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Andy. Ouch. <laughs> sorry. Even in Sex, Lies, and Video it's tough. Mm-hmm. Even in Groundhog Day. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know. Got okay. That. Yeah, I, I, they're both attractive. I mean, I don't, I don't find Andy McDowell unattractive. I'm just oh, saying, yeah. I, like, Mario, Mario Qualley was like, I thought she was very, very good looking in Once Upon a Time Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, what did I watch next? Okay. I rewatched Top Gun. Ooh. Um, oh. Top Gun. A movie, you know, let's keep it with the Scots. Yeah, exactly. Ridley's yeah, brother yeah, there. Yeah. Suicide yeah, Tony, victim, the Tony late, Scott. The late Tony Scott. Just bummer. Um, I haven't seen this all the way through since childhood. And uh, this is one my friends are, are really pushing. They're like, you got to rewatch Top Gun. I was like, mm. okay, that's easy. Especially since it was added to Amazon Prime and Hulu at the beginning of September. Ah. Um, but, uh, and, you know, Tony Scott's got like a lot of, uh, he's getting a lot of like think pieces the past year. Um, you know, like Ridley Scott was on a Bill Simmons podcast, Rewatchables, like talking up how, how great Tony Scott is. I mean, they did a, a whole podcast on uh, like the train movie, oh, Unstoppable. Unstoppable, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, so you know, I was I was going in ready to enjoy this, and I just definitely don't get it. I don't get it, and I I didn't like it when I saw it as a kid. Um, and I remember playing the soundtrack on repeat over and over again for months. Mm. Um, when I first heard the soundtrack, apparently I was really into eighties rock as a uh, like eight-year-old um it's it's pretty it's, it's a pretty movie mm. and uh all of the flight sequences are just edited in a way that was just maddening and uh confusing and it doesn't help that everyone's wearing helmets so you can't see their faces it's hard to tell where people are in relation to each other and uh you know, not a criticism it's just an observation. Weird how close Tom Cruise and Val Kilmer are from each other's faces every time they argue. Like they get they get way up in there mm. every time. Uh, like the romance is uh, <laughs> is, is silly, half baked at best, and uh, like the death of Goose is just so nakedly uh, like a forced emotional moment through which Maverick can uh, uh, you know have an inkling inkling growth towards some maturity. Mm. And it's, you know, it's just bullshit. It's just bullshit. And uh, I need more than Jets and a Kalidi soundtrack, which I do still think is cool. But, uh, yeah, I don't get it. But I'll do the Reddit thing. Uh, prove me wrong. Oh. <laughs> which you probably can. <laughs> I, uh, if I had seen it more recently, I haven't seen this since I was a kid, and I didn't mm. like it when I was a kid. So I, I, I don't think I'm the one to defend this movie yeah, at all. I, I do love Tom Cruise. I feel like I'd watch it and get, I'd like at least enjoy his performance, maybe or something. Because I, I, as I recall, he plays a bit of an asshole in it. Which yeah, yeah. <laughs> what well, Tom yeah. Cruise playing an asshole? I, I like, what? <laughs> I like Tom Cruise too. His like, there's something behind his asshole in the color of money mm. that you can see, and and I I don't think that that depth is there in this movie and then it's not that i think it's tom cruise's fault it's this is just like a movie where every character is like a, a type a um you know like athlete asshole <laughs> just and there's there's nothing else going on with these characters yeah i don't I think it's a lot of uh i think you know shit like this falls into that category of like movies that people 
whether they want to admit it or not, they kind of like ironically, you know, they, it's mm. like got the silly volleyball sequence and the goofy soundtrack and the, yeah. you know, the, the, the volleyball and jeans. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, but it's like, that's, you know, that's like, Oh, it's so cheesy. It's fun and yeah, stupid. And yeah. we love it for that. And I feel like there's a lot of that going on. And this whole reappreciation, <laughs> this reevaluation of Tony Scott as an auteur or something like, I don't, I don't get that shit at all. I mean, like, He's every bit as good a director as Ridley is. He's probably a better director than Ridley is in a lot of ways. But I don't really think of either one of them as auteurs any more than mm. I would think of like Michael Bay as an auteur. Like they're they're blockbuster action movie directors. They both made some good movies. Obviously, Ridley Scott started his career really strong, mm. but I mean after that, you know, it's uh, you know it's empty. They're just empty movies that are like you said. There's nothing behind his character's ego in that movie and. Uh, I think it's the same with a lot of his films. I mean, I think his some of Tony Scott's or his best work, in my opinion, is you know like the, the uh, True Romance, and that's not because of him; it's because of Tarantino and the and the cast. Mm. And I think that uh, I I've, I have a huge hard on for the Last Boy Scout. I fucking love the Last Boy Scout, oh. <laughs> and, uh, and that's and that's more about Bruce Willis. Just his character in that movie is just, I love that like super schlubby loser (laughs) asshole who has to become the hero. That's amazing to me. And I mean, I like some of the, you know, like the, the, the stylistically, both of them have this kind of like pre Fincher, uh, dark angular, I don't know, sort of like a clean designs and shit like that. So some of their cinematography is like cold and everything. I, I like that. But I mean, I don't think it works for everything, and I think they use it in every single film, and I don't think it works for every single film. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't want to say that that I dislike Tony Scott totally or dislike all of his movies. I don't think that's true. Uh, you know, I remember hating Deja Vu, but mm. a lot of the hate I had for it was just like stupid premise, and like I, I was living in New Orleans, you know, I, <laughs> when I saw it, and I was like. Uh. You know, I was like doing a lot of fun, like ge- geography nitpicks, like <laughs> just with the uh, recognizable parts of the city. That doesn't mean it's a bad movie. Mm. Um, but yeah, I don't. I, I haven't seen like Crimson Tide, which I know people love. I actually remember enjoying Days of Thunder, which I thought was a much better uh, Tom Cruise performance. But uh, yeah, but I, I would... haven't seen The Fan. Oh, which, the... which you guys love. You haven't seen the? Didn't we review The Fan on this show? You weren't Were on you that episode before I was here. Oh, no shit. No, that no. Long ago? You were on the show, but I think you were on like some kind of like extended break. Oh, he or was just—he took a break for I'm, that one. I'm pretty sure we did that with Rustin. Yeah, the fan is uh, is is good. It's not as good as some of his other stuff. Mm. I, and I I uh, I've seen Crimson Tide, and I I was not. I know a lot of people hold that one in really high regard, and mm. I I was not blown away by it at all. Yeah. But uh, you know what are you gonna do? Yeah. That apparently Tarantino uh, did some dialogue cleaning up on that movie as well. Right. So yeah, there's some pop culture stuff in there. Yeah. You can tell he wrote. <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway, mm. all right, Kevin. Let's see what's next. Okay, so I rewatched uh, Treasure of the Sierra Madre. Mostly because I had been meaning to rewatch it for a while, but then after the reference in Defy Bloods, I was like, okay, now I gotta watch it. And I enjoy it very, very much. Like, Bogart, this is probably the best I've seen him act. 
and he is fantastic. Uh, Walter Houston is fantastic. It looks really great. Like it's just, and you know, there's a bleakness to it that, like, you know, like I'll I'll never be the one who gets greedy and wants more gold, and then like slowly you just see him just inching toward that path, and it's fucking great. I uh, it's in my queue. Mm. <laughs> Many many classics in my queue. Right, it's waiting. Love it. It's waiting. Love it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I watched uh, the Girl in the Spider's Web, which is a uh, why reboot of. Uh, well, have you seen <laughs> it? Have you seen it? No. Okay, then. Have you watched Girl with the Spider Dragon Tattoo? Yeah, I, you... I remember. Well, hang on. We saw it in the theater, and I think I've seen it once since then. Yeah. Yeah. And I've been meaning to rewatch it forever. Like I need to go back. You know, Venture doesn't have that many movies. It wouldn't be that difficult to make a list. Anyway, uh, but yeah, I I've heard nothing but bad things about Spider's Web, and I'm not a big well, fan of Claire Foy. So I've heard nothing it, about Spider's Web. Oh. So that's why I wanted to watch it. It's not available to rent anywhere. Mm. And finally, I signed up for. Um, I was trying to watch Black Hawk Down. And it was also, uh, it was on, it was on, uh, I think it was on iTunes, but I was like, I don't want to pay to watch this movie. So I just signed up for stars, uh, for like the seven day free trial of stars mm-hmm. and, uh, watched Black Hawk Down. And then I was like, Oh girl, Spider Web's on here. I'll check it out. Yeah. And I did. And, uh, it's not, yeah, it's not good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but girl with the dragon tattoo, I liked a lot. So I was, so I was thinking yeah, like, yeah. I mean, I hated it when I first saw it, but then I rewatched and I liked it like quite mm. a bit. And then, so I was like, uh, maybe this will be, you know, like something, some kind of overlooked, uh, reboot. And I love, uh, Fetty Alvarez or feed Alvarez. I don't know how you say his fucking mm. name, but, uh, the guy did, um, don't breathe and the army of darkness, uh, or whatever it is. Evil dead Evil remake. Dead. Yeah. Which I didn't love the Evil Dead remake, but I like Don't Breathe a lot, and so I was uh, excited to see what he was going to do with this. I thought at the very least it would be have some fun, you know, violence or something in it, and uh, it has uh, a moment of kind of uh, fun action towards the end where Lakeith Stanfield is using a ridiculously huge sniper rifle to snipe people mm. through a building, which is uh, ludicrous, but you know, kind of fun. But also, you're like watching. You're like, why, why? this Lucky Stanfield's like a computer guy throughout the whole movie, and then all of a sudden he's like blowing people away with a sniper rifle. It just makes no sense. <laughs> and uh, Claire Foy is in it. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of hers either. Mm. She is like so like I don't know over serious in this and just mm. goofy, and she lacks any of the kind of. I mean, this is going to sound ridiculous, but like Rooney Mara in Dragon Tattoo. And it might just, I mean, honestly, it might just be by virtue Fuck. of the fact that she's, oh, JR's in trouble. <laughs> it's okay. It might just be by virtue of the fact that she's nude through like half the film, you know? <laughs> she's naked a lot in it. But like, and Claire Foy is like never close to naked in this movie. Uh, but I feel like Claire Foy was just like less uh, sexual in the film. Like there's mm. not a lot of that. And like, there's like a huge focus on that in the Dragon Tattoo film, like right. about her having uh women lovers and then her falling in love with daniel craig and right 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 and in this film there's none of that really i mean she's she has a female lover but they don't they're literally just like sitting on a bed together at the beginning and you never see her again oh and uh the daniel craig uh character uh mikhail or whatever his name right. is he uh he's in this 
but like barely and there's like no reason for his character to be in this mm. it's a little embarrassing because <laughs> <And>, uh, <laughs> he's just some random actor that i've never heard of playing him and oh, he's wow. like in four scenes and i'm just like well who is this fucking guy <laughs> but i will say this the actress who plays her sister who is the villain of the film mm. is played by uh her name is wait for it <laughs> it's important Sylvia Hoax. Uh-huh. You guys remember Sylvia Hoax? No. She was the villain in Blade Runner 2049. Uh... And she's not terribly great in this, but it just made me think I, I got to rewatch 2049 to see how good she was in that because I oh, remember right. loving her in that. Oh, right. So I downloaded 2049. I'm going to rewatch it when I have three hours to kill. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking Ridley Scott. Bullshit. <laughs> You're going to go through all the uh, go through all the Denis before Dune comes out? No, no, I'm not. I might rewatch Enemy or something, like something that's good. I don't I don't like uh, Arrival nah. at all. And I don't not a I don't think I'm going to be a big fan of 2049 again. I'm not rewatching it because of Denny. I'm rewatching it because of Sylvia Hoax. <laughs> right. <laughs> Did you just YouTube her scenes? <laughs> Yeah, but you know, I see it in context. You know. right, right, I do right. like the part at the beginning where where uh, Ryan Gosling's walking back to his walking in the police station. And that guy's like, "Fuck off, skin job!" <laughs> it's like mad. Everybody's mad at him because he's a replicant. They hate his guts. Wow, I love that part. <laughs> but that movie's just so convoluted and yeah. full of beans. Yeah, it does have Bautista in it though, so that's a yeah. connection to Dune. Cool. And I think Bautista looks amazing in the Dune trailer. So oh, he looks great. His mouth is always slightly open, like he's just like. Ready to fight? I don't know. What character is he? He's Beast uh, Raban. Yeah, the Beast. Okay. Yeah. The Har- I could have I could have looked that up on my own. But the Harkonnen Harkonnen uh, muscle. Yeah. <laughs> there is a Harkonnen among you. <laughs> the uh, Fade Rotha has not been cast, according to IMDb. Right. Will yeah. he be in the film? I don't know. You know. J- you know what Jonathan said about that? He's like. He's like. Yeah, we were both like, I guess he's going to be in the second film, you know, because they split the book into two films. Right, yeah. So if they make the second film, which I hope that they do, mm. and uh, they cast Fade Rotha, he was like, I was like, who's going to play Fade Rotha? It has to be somebody big, because like, Fade Rotha is a big character. Yeah, yeah. And he goes, Robert Pattinson. And I was like, that is brilliant. <laughs> like, how good would Don't that be? Don't tease me like that. If Robert Pattinson played Fade Rotha. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> oh, God. God. I would be so excited. That would be amazing. <laughs> And he's already worked with uh, Tim Chalamet. Yeah, so. yeah. Didn't you say their scene in The King was like the only good it's scene the in only, the movie? He, he's the only good thing on the movie. That scene oh, right, and his right, acting right. is amazing. Oh, right. <laughs> like, he's terrific. Anyway, Girl in the Spider's Web, skip it. Mm. Unless you're just like a Claire Foy fan. You got to see that shit. But, right. Uh, yeah, it's pretty lame. Yeah. Oh, uh, the guy from... Uh, what is that show... He's like one of the uh, Stephen Merchant. Stephen Merchant is in it in like a dramatic role, and it's oh, that's weird too. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I think I think he was fine as uh, what's his fit Caliban. Yeah, in, Caliban. Uh, yeah. In Logan, yeah, he was but... better than I thought he was going to be in Logan. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. He's just he plays like this guy who gets he's got like a, a son who's autistic, mm-hmm. and he's the only one who has the code for some kind of missile launch system or some shit, and uh. He gets executed pretty early on, but he's. Yeah. I just. I was like, every time I saw him, I was like, this is like fucking Stephen Merchant. It's like, <laughs> it's just weird. I don't yeah, know. he is. Uh, I think he's like in the most effective scene of um, Jojo Rabbit. Mm. Mm. Um, 
like he's only in one scene uh, as this kind of funny, uh, you know, Nazi who's like searching their house. Yeah, yeah. and um, it works because he he you know it's dramatic in the sense that it's like a very tense dramatic scene, uh, but works because he keeps like he keeps that friendly kind of weird persona from his comedies. It's one of the only moments that like bridges the tones of that movie well for me. But he he's good in small doses, I think, when he's used right. Yeah, that's fair. Mm. That's fair. JR? Okay, uh, some more 1986. I, uh, the other movie my friends really like that they convinced me to watch is uh, Rad, which is a uh, extreme sports movie Jesus Christ. from 1986 that is uh, it's about like a BMX competition. And, you know... <laughs> I'm I'm a fan. I'm a fan of extreme sports movies. Oh, I yeah. love uh Does this movie have... Josh Brolin's uh, Thrashing from 1986. Does this movie have Jack Jack Black in it? It does not. I wonder that I what am I thinking saw. of that has Jack Black in it? Hang on, I'm mm. sorry. Go ahead. There's a movie <laughs> like that, that There's like a there's like a um like a rollerblading movie from the 80s that has Jack Black. He's like a bully in it. Mm. Huh. He's definitely not the bully in this one. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is, this is a, is a fucking movie where, you know, the small town, uh, BMX athletes, you know, get to be like participate in the tournament hosted by the, the big company that comes to town and they're sponsored athletes. Mm. And, uh, Lori Laughlin is one of those sponsored athletes and she becomes the, uh, <laughs> you know, the love interest of the, our main character. Her hair's crazy. And, uh, there's there's one scene in this movie that really sums up this movie for me, and it's uh, when our main character and Lori Laughlin are at a dance competition that is for some reason hosted by the bike tournament company. Um, instead of dancing, they perform a choreographed freestyle bike routine. So it's like uh, it's basically figure skating, but on bikes, and it lasts the length of an entire uh, soundtrack song, "Real Life's Send Me an Angel." It's hmm. it's fucking four minutes long. An eighty-five minute movie shouldn't devote four minutes to a dance bike routine just because they paid for a song and want to use the entire thing. That's exactly and, why uh, they, like, they do, do it. this. They do this multiple times. Like there's a like a bike trick montage later. And they use the whole fucking song. There's a race montage later that should be you know less than a minute, but they use the whole fucking song. And like these montages and sequences just stop the movie dead, and it's just fucking weird. Um, and yeah, I mean, like this is all like bad performances, stupid dialogue. I think there there's some dialogue that makes me think that you know the writers kind of knew they were making something stupid, but it's not good enough. And uh, why do so many extreme sports movies that focus on tricks end up climaxing with a race? You know, like the Disney Channel original inline skating movie Brink did that. Did make any, with Eric Von Denton, great movie. Well, it seems um, like the obvious Josh way to Rollins go. Josh right? movie did it. Well, just I, I think it's like there's a clear winner and a loser in a race. Sure. And like mm. every yeah, the hero Maybe of the film is the winner. The cinematic, the bully is the loser. Right, right. But these competitions, like <laughs> racing on a skateboard, is is dumb. Don't race <laughs> on skateboards. The movie I was um, thinking of with anyway. Jack Black is a movie you've seen, Jr. It's called Airborne. And it has Seth Green in it also. 
and it's about a kid who moves yeah. from California to like Colorado or something or somewhere where it's really snowy. Mm. And uh, he's like a surfer dude. Oh. And all he wants to do is surf, but he can't. So he has to. So instead, he starts skateboarding, of course, you know, and rollerblading and Sounds shit. Great. And Jack Black is one of the bullies. Like he's there's mm-hmm. like a gang of bullies, and he's. I just remember this one scene where they, the the main character is like taking a dump at school, <laughs> and they come and they like they pour water all over the toilet paper and all the stalls, so he can't use the toilet paper. Wow, <laughs> that's like a that's a nightmare. Yeah, I know. Right? It's a really brutal. Probably had that nightmare before. I, and then like yeah. the, I remember the scene after that. It's so gross. Like the scene after that, it shows him like it just cuts. He's like, "Oh no, what am I gonna do?" And then it cuts to him walking down the hall, like away from the camera, and he's like pulling his underwear out of his ass and stuff through his pants. Oh, <laughs> like that's gross. Like what are we watching here? Right. Oh. I might rewatch this movie, man. I'll tell you, it's been a while. Mm. Um, that movie sounds awesome. <laughs> Uh, rad, rad fucking sucks. <laughs> Thrashing with Josh Brolin, fucking rules. Okay, Thrashing with Josh Brolin. Mm, I'll have to remember nice. that. Kevin, so finally, finally rewatched Falling Down. Ooh. Joel Joel Schumacher. Here we go. Fuck you, Jr. Movie. Falling anyway. Down rules. That's <laughs> crazy. Okay. Jr. hates falling down. <laughs> Go ahead, tell us how good it is. Well, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I enjoyed it. Uh, I didn't think it was perfect, but uh, I mean, close. for me, for it's me, close. it goes, <laughs> for me, it goes a little too, a little too long. And like, uh, like, let's see, um, it's it's really funny watching this movie because, like, I feel like there's like. You know, maybe it wasn't quite as, I mean, it was probably just as prevalent back then, but like, you know, maybe it wasn't as talked about, but like now, you know, there's there are just so many instances of things like this happening, like some, some white dude just deciding that he's had enough and going on a rampage. Um, I, so like against against minorities. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And, uh. Yeah, but then but it was it was weird too because like uh, Frederick Forrest plays this you know the guy who like runs the like uh, army surplus store yeah. and you know he's got all this Nazi memorabilia amazing, amazing but then he was like no you know this is America blah 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 it was like racial epithets yeah I know <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah and uh, I mean Michael D- Michael Douglas is great as this you know. Deranged, you know, deranged fellow. Defense, yeah, defense. <laughs> and uh, let's see, I Bar- love Barbara that. Hershey's great. Uh, Robert Duvall, like he's amazing. To be perfectly honest, I've seen Duvall in a lot of things, and this might be the best. I, like, I legitimately I'm, might be the best. I'm inclined to agree with you. Yeah, he's because, terrific in this. Yeah, because this is one where like like he fits this cop character so well, but he it's not like the total like just goofiness that a lot of his characters can have mm-hmm. um so yeah he's he's great i love the scene any scenes where he's on the phone with his wife oh and, like yeah, trying yeah. to calm her down yeah and the scene at the end when he that whole last that final scene on the pier where he's eating the popcorn and talking and talking to michael douglas mm. And Michael Douglas is like, I'm trying to have a private moment with my family. <laughs> yeah. and, then, and then he walks by and shows Barbara Hershey that he's that he's armed. He like just yeah, yeah. moves his jacket real quick to show her that he's got a gun. Like that's just he's he's great, man. Yeah, he's so fucking good. 
Yeah, like I think that was you know. I think like it's Douglas. I think it's Douglas's best performance. I don't think Douglas is much of an actor, to be honest. And I think this is like peak Douglas. I want to watch the me. game again. I mean, yeah, I, it's between this and the game, and yeah, maybe yeah, yeah. behind the candelabra or something like that. But like, he's like, I don't think that his performance in Wall yeah. Street is like terrific. Like, he's fine in it. He's right, he's, a, right. he's a competent actor. Yeah, he's like yeah. a Bruce Willis. You know, like he's yeah. got a few great performances, but most of them are just kind of like middle of the road. You know, like a nothing to write home about. Kind yeah, of I, I'd agree. But yeah, um, yeah. And I thought the I thought the direction was really good because like you know it's it's kind of it's really a bummer that like Joel Schumacher like is kind of only remembered for the two Batman movies that he did and now yeah. I mean I haven't seen either of them in a long time I'm sure they're not great but maybe they're not as you know pure shit they're probably as... entertaining at the very least yeah exactly I watched um, the introduction they're apparently releasing like a Batman Forever like super director's cut or something oh, and it's yeah. got like man bad in it and shit like that and oh, wow. uh, i watched whoa, whoa, whoa. yeah <laughs> was the was was the corpse of jules schumacher complaining on twitter about his vision was just darker and more serious and i don't more know emotion i mean i think, I think it's released in theaters i think it's been long along there's like long rumored that there's been like an extended cut of it that has mm. shit that was at it. and i watched the opening just randomly came upon the the alternate opening scene where Tommy Lee Jones escapes from Arkham and oh. it's uh I mean it's nothing really exciting about it, but yeah. I mean he's just he's in he's in Arkham and there's like this goofy looking doctor who's like, you know, Harvey, you know <laughs> like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and then he for some reason like it's really hard to understand what's going on and I think there's some shit missing from it, but like there's like mm. a there's like a ceiling fan in the room in the cell that he's in and like all of a sudden he like he flies up towards the ceiling fan, and then there's like cuts, and there's like a hole in the ceiling, and like so he went through the hole, I guess. I don't know what happened exactly, but <laughs> right. there's obviously some shit missing. But yeah, like I would imagine that like they probably got you know they probably had an idea of like a third Batman movie with Tim Burton's like you know aesthetic, of course, yeah. and then probably like somewhere along the way they decided no this isn't working we're gonna do this we're gonna do that with it and it was probably uh, probably a lot of it was out of Schumacher's hands. That's fair because I don't think you know it's it's like you know uh, you know way back in the day when I saw that Kenneth Branagh was doing Thor I was like. <gasps> This is going to be interesting. This is going to be new. It's going to be different. And then it's it's the paycheck. Man. It's a paycheck. Yeah. And it's really because, you know, like you don't get to work on a movie. You don't get to work on a Batman or a Marvel or a whatever movie because of because of your acting chops. Like you're going in to do the favor. Of course. Of course. So he uh yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah but so, uh, uh, yeah, but falling yeah. down rules. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, I, Come I really on. like falling down. I love when he kills the uh, when he blows blows the uh, battery up on the uh, golf cart with a shotgun, mm. and then the guy has a heart attack, and he's like, "Your pills are drowning." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> aren't you? Aren't you? Aren't you uh, sorry that you didn't just let me pass through? Yeah, I'm gonna die wearing that funny looking hat. <laughs> yeah, like actually, Jr. There's that. There's a little the, that section where he's like walking through the golf course and then walks into like the backyard, like. It reminded me a lot of the swimmer. Oh, mm. I could see that. Yeah, I like that one of Jr.'s rare five out of fives. Uh oh, <laughs> I do. I do love the swimmer. Mm. It's oh, I I have something to say about the swimmer also later. That's funny. Oh, another film I watched uh, pertains to it. Okay, but um, uh, I was gonna say that scene with the family 
oh, yeah. at the pool. I love that shit too. That scene's amazing. Oh like, yeah, like that guy from Miami Vice and that guy's from The Shield also. Oh okay, the, uh, the father with the beard. But his acting in that scene is incredible. Like when he's like, "Take, oh, take me," you know, "Don't hurt my family," kind of yeah, thing. And then, and yeah, then Michael Douglas is like, he's like offended. He's like, "I'm not gonna hurt your family. I'm going home to my family," you know. Yeah, and then like he sees the blood on his own hand, yeah. and, he, and he thinks he he thinks that he hurt the little right. girl, and exactly. it's like amazing, yeah. amazing. Like anybody who doesn't like this movie just doesn't understand cinema, <laughs> you know. So or nuanced acting, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> this is high art falling yeah. down. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway. All, all things associated with Joel Schumacher movies. <laughs> I'm sure I need to give Tigerland a chance too. Hey, Tigerland is good. Another chance. Are you kidding? Tigerland is good. Tigerland is probably <laughs> almost as good as Falling Down. It's great. I watched Tenet, uh, another big 2020 release, the biggest so far, probably. Mm. Uh, Christopher Nolan Inception Part Two movie, and uh, <laughs> it stars John David Washington, mm. who's Denzel's son. Who I liked a lot in Black Klansman. I don't mm. dislike in this movie, except that he's like, I don't know, man. He's just weird. His delivery is so strange sometimes, and I mm. I don't know what it is about it. I couldn't even put it into words. It's just he's just got a really strange way of delivering lines. Uh, his voice, maybe I don't know what it is, but uh, it's a movie about time inversion and. Don't listen to the hype. This movie is not hard to understand at all. Mm. Uh, you can follow it just as easily as you follow Inception. If you thought Inception was hard to follow, maybe this movie would be complicated to you. But these movies are like, you know, what what normal people who haven't seen a lot of movies, they would think this is strange and weird and, you know. But this is not a weird movie. It's just a, a very convoluted science fiction film mm. um, mixed with a James Bond film. And really all it does is make you wish that Nolan would just give up and start directing James Bond films because he's obviously that's what he wants to do. Like this is what this is. This is a James Bond film. Mm. It's just that it has a science fiction element to it. Ah. It's literally nothing but secret agents fighting each other, car chases, gunfire. There's a, there's a Russian oligarch villain. I mean, it's just like, it's what it is. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's not, great it's it's not any worse than most of his other movies uh you know it's on the same level as his batman films i'd say you know it's mildly entertaining overlong kind of boring at parts uh and extremely extremely plot heavy and so much exposition like way more exposition than there is in Inception. Almost every scene is exposition in this movie is them explaining what is happening Ugh. and why it's happening and uh, there's some, you know, kind of cool uh, backwards photography and stuff. But, I mean, like, you know, Whatever. backwards photography. I mean, who gives a fuck, right? And uh, the main conceit of the film, this time inversion, doesn't really make sense visually. Because it's like, it's the idea that certain people are moving backwards through time and other people are moving forwards. But yet they're interacting with each other, which makes no sense to me at all. Like, if you're moving backwards, how do you interact with someone who's moving forwards? Like, they're having fist fights, but one of them's moving back. It's just weird. I, I don't get... Like, that That part is confusing, because oh, oh, it's like... that. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like you didn't get it. <laughs> right? I mean, I follow the plot. The thing is that you follow the plot, but you just, like, there's things like that that just don't jive with, like, you mm, know, yeah. like, just Physics. doesn't make sense. <laughs> right. I mean, apparently, you know, he's talking to... Sounds, sounds dumb. 
he's talking to uh, that Kip, whatever his name is from Interstellar, the physicist, and oh, he's got, they're they're consulting real things that are technically possible but it's like it just does like visually it just makes no sense to me when you're watching right, you're just right. like this does not seem like it could happen this way and there's a lot of time Wait, is he actually talking he's actually talking to a character from interstellar no 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 no, no. i thought kip oh. uh whatever the guy's name kip something he's a he's, oh. a, he's a real physicist that they consulted okay. oh about. right 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 uh, kip thorne kip okay. thorne okay okay uh wow. spielberg i thought there was like a Spielberg was a shared universe. No, 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 no. Spielberg saw Spielberg went to a uh, Kip Thorne like TED talk or something, Mm. and he wanted to make a film about uh, time uh, dilation in space, Mm -hmm. and he was going to make Interstellar, and he contracted uh, uh, Jonathan Nolan to write the film. Jonathan Nolan wrote it. He dropped out. Chris Nolan directed it, and then it's the same thing. They they apparently talked to Kip Thorne about time inversion. And uh, these kinds of things, right. and and they were like, even though it doesn't make total sense, they were like, it's technically possible, and all this kind of stuff. So, right. but it's just, yeah, it's just kind of a, I don't know, just kind of a forgettable, mm. nothing of a movie. I mean, Robert Pattinson's in it; he literally has like no character at all. He's just like just spewing exposition the entire time. Mm. Kenneth Branagh is kind of fun as the Russian villain, just because he's so like over the top evil. Like mm. he like beats his wife and like kicks her in the stomach and shit. Like he's pretty he's rough. Uh, wow. And the woman, his wife, is played by the woman from Widows that Jr. likes. Uh, Elizabeth Elizabeth Debicki. Yeah, Debicki. I was about to ask you how she is. She's good. She's she's like the second lead. I mean, she's in it a lot more than I thought she was going to be. Oh, okay. And uh, she's pretty solid. She has a good scene with Branagh towards the end. But overall, I'd say it's. I mean. You know, if you're, I mean, obviously it's not a movie you can miss because it's like, it's one of the big movies this year, right. but if you know, but I mean, honestly, I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> so not going to risk going to the theater. For well, it. I, I downloaded a, 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 a Chinese copy of it. I don't, I don't care. I gave it very little respect. I watched it in multiple sittings on a Chinese bootleg, <laughs> terrible sound quality. Uh, and I, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I thought about seeing it in a, uh, I was playing in a drive-in here. Mm. But mm. I didn't realize that all of the drive-ins here close Labor like Labor Day weekends are last weekend. Oh wow! It's like why? Yeah, that's weird. It's like now it's starting to get dark earlier. We can show more movies. It's not. I mean, yeah, it, like, I know it snowed here this past week, but it's not actually. It's not cold yet at all, except for the day it snowed. Yeah. Um, so seems like we could keep going with the drive-ins, but whatever. Yeah, because like especially now, like I've been seeing like all of these news articles about how drive-ins are coming back and they're saving cinema in air quotes. Yeah. Like that's a, that seems a little hyperbolic. I don't know. That just seems like a lot of money left on the table for like, I mean, I don't know, maybe, maybe the cold drastically affects the, um, the well, you can't, you audio supposed, equipment or whatever. You're not and, like, supposed you can't to leave your, like, uh, you're not supposed to leave your car running. Okay. So it's like, yeah, so that's like, oh. uh, and you have to if it's cold out because you need to run the heater, right? Because you'd be freezing otherwise if it's really cold. Yeah, it's not. It's not you know layers. It's not cold yet. Like here, they but would maybe if, if they open a drive in here, decided. that would be the issue. It, it wouldn't be the cold, right? It'd be like you have to run your car because you need AC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they wouldn't be able to open the th- the thing until it gets cold here. You know? uh, right, right. You want to sit outside without the mosquitoes. Yeah, for yeah. sure. But anyways, oh. yeah, I don't know. I've watched a film. I've watched a few films at drive-ins before, and it's uh, 
you know, it's like a fun experience. I wouldn't watch something I cared about there. Oh, okay. At all. Right. right. Yeah. I've only been to a drive-in once. It was like in high school in Mississippi, and we saw the Triple X sequel and like a Jennifer Lopez rom-com, like The Wedding Planner or something. Nice. Wow. Made in Manhattan. Yeah. I I don't know. We did did not go to it because we wanted to actually see the movies. Of course. Mm. Yeah. You go to it to to say you've been to a drive-in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Talk to your parents, you know. Hey, I went to a drive-in too, just like you guys used to in the 60s or 70s or whatever. All right. Cool story, bro. So Tenet is uh, passable. Mm. What'd you give it? Two and a half. Okay. It's not the worst thing I've ever seen. It's not his worst film. It's just not... He, all of his films are, like, just not very good. And mm. this is another one that's not very good. I think Interstellar is still his worst. It surprises me that he made Dunkirk. Like, everything he makes, I'm just like, how did this guy make Dunkirk? I don't understand this. It's like, <laughs> Dunkirk is so good. Yeah, I mean, I, I think... It abandons all of his pretensions about, like, everything he does. Like, Dunkirk has none of that. Like, Dunkirk... The only, the only thing you can say is pretentious about Dunkirk is the whole, like the the time thing how like that's told yeah. in different time frames but it's like that's actually the most like one of the most interesting things about the film to me like I, right I, it's not and the plot is not convoluted at all it's just an ex- extremely simple plot and yeah. the, the acting is great and really stripped down i mean it's all of his like the brissonianness of it you know and I, I just love i fucking love dunkirk i do not get it i don't understand why he's not doing more shit like that mm. gotta come back and make these bullshit blockbusters just make a bond film that new Bond film looks like a train wreck. It looks like Spectre Part 2. Well, I mean, that's what they're going for. It's got all the same people in it. Yeah, it's it's bas- it basically is Spectre Part 2. Uh, the only thing that looks good in that trailer to me, not to get off on this, but the only thing that looks good in that trailer to me is the uh the black girl. I don't know who she's playing exactly. She's like a she's got like the, the Oh, his the fro. Yeah, like a little like mini fro. His like she's replacement like in a, as a double O. I, yeah, and she's I, like in a black outfit. She, she looks amazing in it. Like I, I believe everything she's doing. The other girl, the girl from Knives Out, who's in it, uh, Diarmas. Yeah, Diarmas. Like she looks ridiculous. She's like fighting in an evening gown. I can't stand mm. that shit. Killing people with her high heels. Anyways, yeah. Jr. Sounds great. I can't wait to watch Diarmas in a Bond movie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sure she'll be good looking in it. That's good. Yes, I am sure of that. Um, <laughs> all right, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna talk about a good movie or a movie I liked. Hey, all right. Just, just not what's happening today. Um, I watched uh, From Beyond. This is the last '86 movie I have. It's a uh, horror movie from Stuart Gordon, who did um, Reanimator a couple years before this. Mm. It's probably um, pretty sure that's his biggest movie. Edmund. Uh, yeah, he did Edmund, and he did uh, Stuck, which is like the guy in the windshield movie that came out a few years ago. I don't know which that Which is one. odd. But, um, yeah. I don't... Every movie I've seen from him has been at least interesting, if not totally good. I, I think Edmund, Edmund's I love, not bad. I love Edmund a lot. It's fucking weird. It's been a while since I've watched um, it. I like it a lot. But anyway, this is a... This, this movie is fucking ridiculous. It's about a couple of scientists who are like they're they're studying like this gland in the brain called like the pineal gland. Um, but they've made this machine to like enhance and enlarge your pineal gland because they think it's it's something that gives you extra senses or like 
an extra sense. Uh, and it does. It creates a this machine creates a magnetic field that enhances your gland, which allows you to perceive creatures from another dimension. Uh, the catch is that those creatures can also now perceive uh, you, and uh, they attack and uh, kill you. And one of the scientists is taken, like basically taken to the other side. The surviving scientist is presumed a murderer and considered insane, and uh, and then he is freed from a psychiatric hospital to work alongside a, a hot scientist and a burly bodyguard to recreate these experiments. And uh, shit goes awry, obviously. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's super, super gory, and uh, features a ton of body horror with a lot of really crazy makeup effects. And um, and another twist is that the magnetic field uh, also. Um, makes people really fucking horny. So uh-huh. they're uh, so they're these creatures that want to kill you, but everyone also just like really wants to fuck. And um, in a sense, this like that this makes it sort of like a, a Cronenbergian type movie because it has a ton of the body horror and there is this like weird sex thing happening. Um, but it. You know, it's much brighter and has a much lighter sense of humor than any Cronenberg I can think of. And, uh, you know, just generally, this is like a, a pretty cool 80s horror film. Cool. That's it. Have you, have you seen Robot Jocks? Robot Jocks? Yeah, it's a Stuart Gordon movie from 89. It's about, like, mech fighters. I don't, I don't think so. I think I've only seen reanimator Edmund stuck in this i've i've always uh i always remember seeing the cover to this like at the blockbuster video robot shots i've never like looked at anything i just watched the trailer it looks it looks kind of fun actually <laughs> i have to check out robot jocks yeah. i like mean i've now i mean i don't know i've seen four of this guy's movies and i have some good things to say about each one so maybe Solid. i need to see robot jocks maybe Maybe it'll turn you off. You'll be like, oh, this guy sucks, actually. <laughs> Kevin? Uh, let's see. So I rewatched My Cousin Vinny, oh, nice. which... Oh, you're just on a fucking I, kick with this kid, eh? I mean, he just blew me away so much at Outsiders. I was like, I gotta, I gotta see. Gotta see the rest of his stuff. You should have watched the roast. Weird. It's the, getting weird. You should have watched yeah, the roast of Rob Lowe. He's on that. He's awful. Oh, He's a terrible comedian. Oh. He's got bad timing. Oh, they make fun of him a lot, though. It's really funny. <laughs> uh, it I might have to check that out. I, I watched a ridiculous Macho movie like a couple years ago. The Crossroads, where he like plays guitar. Yeah, yeah Crossroads. Yeah, Crossroads. Yeah. That's a Will, Will Walter Hill film, right? Pretty sure it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I thought it's I was based thinking, on Robert Johnson. Yeah, I was thinking about rewatching it, but then I'm like, eh, I don't know, because like now, like. Now that I've gone down this path, it's like, yeah, he was pretty, he was spectacular in Outsiders and everything else is kind of, eh, he's all right. I, I think and he's, my I mean, cousin I, Vinny, he's, right. he's like barely in it. Yeah, so. he's not in it very much, but I, I love the, uh, but I love Joe Pesci in this movie. I mean, of course, movie. yeah, everything's great in Vinny. I, I like the scene that he is, that he is in where he's talking to his cousin and convincing him to use Vinny. He's like talking about the magic tricks and all that stuff. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, I love that whole scene. I thought Macho was really good in that. Yeah. And <laughs> the whole like, uh, like, there's a scene where like Vinny like shows up and like uh Ralph Macchio is asleep and the other dude is you know you know they're in prison so he thinks he's just gonna be anally raped. Yeah. Oh yeah, he thinks he thinks Vinny is his yeah. cellmate or what? Yeah, he thinks Vinny is the one who, the one who's yeah. 
<laughs> I just, I just, oh, double odd tot. Like, I mean, yep. Be thankful. You know, it's it's not my ass. <laughs> it's not you know, my all, ass. All, all, all this kind of stuff. Like, yeah. it, it reminded me a lot of like Frasier. Because like yeah, Frasier has fair. a lot of like that kind of humor where like somebody knows something and like so everything that is said by another character. Yeah, the audience the, the audience knows way. something that the characters don't, and that's what makes yeah, it funny. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But I don't know. Like I th- I think uh, Pesci is great. Ralph Macchio is pretty good. All things considered, the rest of the movie is just I don't know. I just didn't find it that entertaining and didn't find it that funny. Except for that, that one scene is like oh, really man. solid. I love the whole fucking thing. I think everything yeah. is funny in that movie. Yeah, it's great. The writer of that movie wrote Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Also, have you seen that with Michael Caine and Steve Martin? Like a million years ago. I remember thinking that was really funny too. Mm. It's been a while. Let's check it out again. Um, I watched. I'm thinking of ending things. Mm. Uh, which led me immediately to Synecdoche, New York, which I never rewatched when you guys reviewed it. Uh, oh. It's Jonathan's pick, and I wasn't there for that episode. Mm. But um, I'm thinking of ending things is the best film of the year so far. It's uh, amazing in every way. I loved every second of it. I literally was completely enthralled by every moment. And uh, it's like you're constantly waiting for the next interesting idea or concept to unfold. There's so much dialogue. It's super talky, which I'm a big fan of. And uh, the things that they're talking about are just, they seem like, like the first scene is like literally like 22 minutes long. And it's just them in a car talking. The main characters um, played by, played by the female, whoever she is, some British girl. She's extremely good in it though. I forget her (laughs) name. Hang on. I just don't know her. Jesse Buckley. I don't know this person. She's great in it. And Jesse Plemons plays her boyfriend. Mm. And they're literally just talking nonstop for 22 minutes on this car ride. And it seems like what they're talking about is like like nothing. It's just like inane chit-chat. But it's actually like building to these interesting ideas mm. that come out later. It's on their, on their ride back. <laughs> it's just phenomenal. It says Oliver Platt is in this. I don't remember him being in it, mm. actually. That's weird. When is Oliver Platt in this The voice. Movie? Maybe. Is he though? I don't just says to... the voice. Oh really? Oh, just says the voice. I don't know where there's a voice in the film. Huh? I haven't seen it. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, it's just I don't want to say anything about the plot really because I'm afraid I will ruin things that are just extraordinary that I had no idea where it was going. Mm. And, uh, I just this is like just scratching me in all the right places. You know, it's really working for me. Firing on all cylinders. And I don't know that from what I've seen, people aren't as thrilled with it as I am. And I don't get it. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, uh, David Thewlis is, he's just so funny. Like mm. he's ridiculous in this. Like this is, <laughs> he's like playing this kind of uh, George McFly kind of, Oh wow. You know, Luddite moron <laughs> kind of guy. Uh, like, like George McFly in the few, like in the, in the present day when he's like, mm. You know, when he's like old and just laughing at everything, <laughs> he's, he's really <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. yeah, it's super like that. Oh, and uh, this is the movie that I was going to say uh, I had, I thought of the swimmer, but not, I haven't seen the swimmer, the film, I've, but I've read the story a few times and I thought of the mm. story when I was watching this because there are a few scenes where there's some kind of like time jumping and uh, it just reminded me of that. And I mm. thought that's what it was going to be at first and uh, it's not at all. But yeah, this is a six out of five. Um it's brilliant. It's Kaufman's best. 
I rewatched Synecdoche. I like Synecdoche a lot. I gave it a four and a half. Mm. Uh, but this is better. This is more thematically sound and less all over the place, in my opinion. And uh, yeah, it's just great. Cool. When you said 22 minute scene, I was like, damn, that's a lot of the movie. Didn't realize this was uh, yeah, well and, over two hours. Yeah, it's like two and a half hours long. Yeah. Ah. That that kind of put me off at first, too. But then I don't know, man. It just, it really flies by. Oh, it's 215. Yeah, it's really, I don't know. It flies by. I hmm. thought I didn't have any issue with it at all. I, this was, we were between, Sarah wasn't sure if we were going to watch Unpregnant last night. So she wanted to watch a trailer. And I was like, we could also watch this I'm Thinking of Ending Things. And uh, she watched the trailer for that, too. And uh, it's basically her reaction was, I would rather die. Yeah. Yeah. This This doesn't this is not a movie for people who are casual movie watchers at all. Mm. Um, Yeah, because our teen teen librarian, she watched it and she was like she like did not. She wasn't down with it at all. Yeah. But then I saw your review and I was like, whoa, okay, this is kind of a divisive movie already. Yeah, I mean, it's just like yeah, a... Yeah, you know, well, it's challenging. you trust the teen librarian? <laughs> it's just challenging. <laughs> it's like a. It's like that first scene is a real, like, barrier to entry. It's like a. Oh, it's right. like weeding out the riffraff kind of thing, I feel like. It's, you know, it's like, let's get rid of the people who aren't here for the right reasons. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or something like that. Right, It's right. like like, the, like in uh, Fata Morgana, the Herzog right, film. Right. It starts out with the, the multiple planes landing for, like, ten minutes. <laughs> It's like, you know, just get rid of the people who don't, who aren't here to see right, this movie. Right. <laughs> but yeah, I, I loved it. I, I have nothing but good things to say about it. So fantastic. Did, uh, did you download or add the, his Charlie Kaufman's recent, like 700 page novel to your iPad? Once you read this? I didn't. Da- this? Uh, no, I rented it from the library online. Uh, it's on my iPad right now. I haven't started reading it though. Mm. But yeah, I I mean it's daunting, you know, because it's long, and I'm already in the middle of a what I would consider to be a long book, which is Dune. It's like 600 pages, so mm. um, I don't read a lot of super long that. books like that. Yeah, it depends on which edition you get, I think, because the, the type is mm. bigger on certain ones, and the, yeah, huh, yeah, yeah, the books are bit like the hardcover has less pages, obviously, because it's larger. Right. But uh, you know, I I do want to read Ant Kind at some point. They read actually on Film Junk, the other podcast uh, that I listened to. Um, they read a qu- they, what they what they uh, assumed was a quote from Kaufman about Christopher Nolan, <laughs> but it was actually from Antkind. It was something that was one of the characters was saying in Antkind. <laughs> oh wow! So it was very negative towards Kaufman. Well, it was like it was talking about Kaufman as a. It was saying he wasn't a genuine auteur. That he was like like he's what stupid people think of as an auteur. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's essentially what it was saying. <laughs> like, stupid people think Starbucks is good coffee. That's what. That's another thing he said. And here I am drinking Starbucks. I love Starbucks. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> you know. Anyway, that's it for me. I'm done. Oh. You're not doing background? Oh, I, we can do background. Okay, I forgot you watched that, too. Yeah, we can talk about that. That was at the beginning of my list. Um, I just... I thought you were, sorry. I thought you were going to talk about it because I knew that you liked it. I did. Um, I, I did like it. Yeah, I, was, I, I meant to. I just I to I had passed it on my diary. That's all. Yeah, we could let's talk about it real quick. Go ahead. Yeah, because I I don't really want to talk about the other movie I had to talk about. So let's talk about background. <laughs> cool. What'd you think? Um, I had no idea where background was going, uh, and you know, its plot. 
of like uh, this small town who's sort of like weird matriarch dies and then all of a sudden they have like some weird things going on. Like they lose all their cell service and they don't appear on a map. Um, and there's like this alien drone that's like going around town following people. I had no idea what was going on. I did not watch any trailers for this or anything. Uh, and when it came to light pretty quickly, what is happening? I was, I was kind of, I was kind of out. I didn't, didn't like it because <laughs> I have already, uh, I've already seen the hunt. I didn't like that either. And, uh, Oh yeah, I guess it is yeah, similar to was, that. Yeah. I mean, it's doing like a very similar plot thing. Um, you know, I think the town is interesting, but maybe we, we just don't get enough. We won't get enough like character stuff with all the people in the town for me to, to really care. And I, I think there's a lot of like symbolism and, and reference happening to Brazil's like colonial past that I just don't understand. Mm. But, um, but yeah, you you liked it. So what did you think? Well, I, I thought I, I read some uh, things about um, that about the kind of what it's what it's commenting on, and that made me appreciate certain aspects of it more. And uh, I liked the violence, obviously, a lot, uh, especially when the guy gets his head blown off by the shotgun. I, I, that was completely out of the left field. I didn't know that was coming, and I thought it was amazing. And uh, you know, I some of the. Um, like the scene in the scene when they're all talking around the table and they they shoot that couple, they just all of a sudden they all pull out their guns and start blowing that couple away. I was like, that's killer too. I don't know. I just, I, I'm, a big, I'm a sucker for violence, dude. I love violence it, in the movies. You know, that moment was was interesting because it, it was, you know, like that that couple has, you know, they they are immediately different from the townspeople with whom they're interacting because they seem like they have more money. They are more uh, metropolitan. Um, they're different. And then we see them talking to who we presume are, are Americans. Um, like when they get back to that house and it's clear that, that they are uh, much lower in status than this, uh, this group of people with guns. Mm -hmm. And, and it became very clear very quickly. Um, you know, the first time they all kind of touch their ear to listen to, uh, what someone is saying without, you know, and the, the two people uh, on the bikes did not have an earpiece. I was like, I know what's going to happen at this table. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, I liked, uh, I liked the other, the guy that they get to be like the guy who's like uh, hiding out or whatever. And they have to go get him and get him to come back to the town to help them. I forget what his name mm -hmm. is, but I, I, I don't know. I enjoyed all, I enjoyed his character. I just thought he looked really interesting. He's got a really weird look about him. And uh, he, he does. Yeah, I mean, I just thought it worked as like a the ending part works as kind of like a like a neo western kind of thing. The whole you know the people coming into town and getting picked off one by one, and I don't know, I enjoyed it. Yeah, it's 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 the hunt and it's uh, the seven samurai without the samurai, right? Mm. And it's yeah, it's a it's a bunch of things. That guy and his gang are sort of like the the samurai, They're the guys they bring yeah. in to help them fight off the evil gang solid yeah, I enjoyed it I couldn't I don't remember they were they were either like outcast or 
he's he left the community for some reason i don't remember exactly what happened i don't either i thought i was under the impression that he was a bad person like a criminal or something and like they didn't want him there but then they when he comes back they all love him so i was like oh that's a little confusing yeah. but mm. but uh I mean, yeah i definitely confused by certain aspects of it but uh for the most part i enjoyed it on a normal year this wouldn't have a prayer of making my top 10 but you know this year it's <laughs> it's weak you know so it'll probably be on there somewhere mm. Sorry, one more thing that I thought was interesting and, you know, it was kind of just like a blip in the movie. Like this is the near future um, and they're talking about like one of the characters has like a bunch of hits on YouTube and the hits are, are literally hits. It's not music. He's not like a rapper. It's it's videos of him walking up to people and, and shooting and killing them. And so like this violence is a totally accepted and like popularized form of entertainment it was uh that was bizarre i actually and, don't remember that at all also barely there <laughs> yeah it was barely part of i don't remember that wow i believe you but i don't remember that <laughs> yeah all right that's it all right it's also not making my top 10 kevin <laughs> well i mean you will see bud uh, you might we might not even have top 10 we might have like top seven at the end right of the year, you know what i mean I mean, it's oh, okay. Have you seen that many movies this year? To where that great films that you would put in your top ten? Well, I haven't seen many great films, but I have enough to make a top ten with you know movies that I consider of acceptable quality. Not to be in a top ten, but of just generally accepted quality. I'm trying to think of how many 2020 movies I've even seen. I've seen quite a few already. I've seen 25 movies from this year, but I don't think I have a top 10 yet mm. at all. I definitely don't. I'm looking at them right now. Right. <laughs> I mean, I have like, I mean, of course, you got tw- 2019. A lot of the movies come out uh, that came oh, yeah, out in 2019 yeah. are like movies that really didn't get released until now. Mm. Yeah, I'm, and I'm considering... Considering those, like Beanpole is a 2020 U.S. release, right? I will, that, yeah, that's you know, is a 2019 Russian movie. First, first cow is on 2019. Oh yeah, but yeah, no one, no one saw it until this year. Adopt a Highway is going to make my list, like <laughs> even though apparently it was out last year. Mm. So anyway, we could we could debate this in December. Yeah, yes. I agree. Okay, it's not that Kevin? far away. <laughs> Okay, uh, last little bit. Uh, so I rewatched the three Mighty Duck movies, and like Stephen Brill, the guy who wrote these movies, like it is like every every sports movie cliche that you can think of. Nothing in the move. Nothing in all three of the movies matters for more than five minutes because everything then changes, and you know. People start accepting each other for who they are or whatever. It's just so, like, it's a big, big lesson in terrible screenwriting. And, like, the first one, the first one is bad. The second one is slightly, slightly worse, but not a huge <laughs> leap. And then the third one is just, like, like I said in my letter letterbox review i was just channeling adrian brody in grand budapest hotel like what's the meaning of this shit because there are literal literally cartoon sounds in the third one 
when they're like, you know, bumping into each other or whatever. And like in the second one, like they make a big thing about like this one this one kid from Miami who like is the fastest skater alive, but he can't stop. Yeah. He learns how to stop at the end of the second one. But then yeah. in the third one it's just like, no, I can't stop. Oh, still has the same problem? Yeah, it's 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 like They're like that's a really good like bit. We got to keep going with that. I know, I know. And like How about Fulton? Fulton Power Power uh striker? Yeah. yeah. Ful yeah. And the Bash Brothers? Yeah, the Bash Brothers. <laughs> and then the third one like the dude like like what's his face is going to like he's staying in Chicago. He found out that Bombay bailed and he bailed. And then, like, he shows up in, like, the last game. I think there there are only, like, there are only two games in the third one. Like, actual yeah, games. Yeah, There's one, there's a, you know, one where, like, and this is something that I just find completely stupid. It's junior varsity versus varsity at the same school. Okay, I was trying to remember if this oh, was, I was like, in, are they in college at yeah, this Yeah, they're point? in college in the also, third one, aren't they? No, they're in high school. Oh, is that right? Yeah. I was like, I remember them being in college or something. They yeah. did the fucking Olympics in the second one. Well, actually, why I, are they fighting was, for JV? It was not the Olympics, like I thought it was. It oh. was the Goodwill Games. Like, but whatever, it's, they're fighting against the Russians, right? Or something like that. Well, I mean, it's Iceland, presented Iceland, right? as like the Junior yeah, Olympics, which is right? also like re- pretty much, yeah. And the guy who plays the the Iceland team's coach is he is fucking awful. And like, oh, they're at a prep. They're at a prep school in the third ones, which is well, I guess why it seems like it's yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, like it's college because they live in dorms and shit. Yeah, and it's quack 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 quack, Mr. Duxworth. Duxworth. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Also, in the first and the third one, there are these weird racial insults. What cake eater? No, <laughs> there's like so. So like so you've got the ducks. You've got a couple of women on the team, you've got a couple of black kids on the team, and later on you have one Hispanic guy on the team. So it's like very very diverse all these you know, this one team. Everybody else on all the other teams, they're either, you know, like you know, like in the second one, you know, it's all Iceland or all German sure. or whatever. But in the uh, first one, like it's all these like apparently rich white kids because this becomes a plot point in the middle of the movie for no reason. They're not rich though, aren't they? Like poor. They're like supposed to be super poor, aren't they? The ducks are. Yeah, the ducks. That's what but I mean. the other team. Oh, you seen the other team? The, the other oh, yeah. team, the Hawks. The Hawks are rich. Yeah, because that one kid yeah. is super rich. He, the cake eater guy. He yeah, comes yeah. over and he's super wealthy, and they hate him. Yeah, for for like. No real reason. Like they just hate him because he's a hawk and like uh, and he's, it's, it's, he's up. He's upper class. Yeah, he doesn't belong there. Well, anyway, <laughs> one of the one of the kids on the Hawks team like looks at three of the players and goes, "What's this? The Oreo line?" Ooh, and I was like, that "What is did you just say?" <laughs> That's pretty wild, right there. Man. That's a wild line. Yeah, a Disney film. And then later on in the third one, like. You know, so like Keenan Thompson comes in in the second one, and he's got a much more prominent role in the third one. And so, like, you know, they're at this like really uppity prep school. But then, like, one of the one of the guys on the varsity team, like, you guys are just our little affirmative action thing. Ooh, and I'm like, timeout. Really great 
racial humor going on. Yeah, and, like, these are, like, Disney movies. Like, granted, it's Disney in the 90s, and, you know, they were kind of, they, you know, got a little bit wild, you know, Three Musketeers. Some sexual, but this was sexual just, stuff going on there with Sheen, yeah, yeah. Sheen and the, 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 the wife of that guy. Yeah, and, you know, Rebecca De Mornay, like, one of the, like, the second time Breast she's revealed, out. it's, like, literally yeah. just her cleavage. But yeah, I just thought that was so bizarre to like hear these this racial stuff in these kids' movies. Okay, so sorry, Jr. Go ahead, Jr. Has something to say. Let's wait. Oh, I was just gonna say, uh, racism in hockey is a very real thing uh, and has been for a long time. I really, I doubt uh, Disney had any yeah, that's serious what intention of they're taking commenting that on, on that. But um, <laughs> oh, it's a very white, expensive sport. Right. Okay. Okay. Anyway. Uh, I was going to say that the there's a, there is a scene in the first Mighty Ducks that actually like works really well for me and gives me chills. And I don't like the film at all. I give it a 2 also. I dislike it. But the scene when so after uh like the kids overhear him saying that the kids are all oh, losers yeah, yeah, and stuff yeah. and then they all walk out and then there he's on the ice. He's like I'm I'm going out onto the ice and whoever wants to come out and play and uh beat this other team, meet me out there. And then uh, I love that Charlie and Fulton come out. Like, not all the team doesn't leave him. Like, those two guys are loyal, yeah, and they yeah. come out and start skating. They're, like, they're ready to play. Like, they'll play the whole other team themselves. They have a lot of heart, you know? Yeah. I, yeah. I always like that scene. I was like, that yeah. That works really well for me. And then he's like, we, we forfeit. <laughs> like, he's yeah. sadness. Yeah. But that scene works. The rest of the movie is, yeah, pretty awful. Yeah. Because, like, you also have, like, a weird romance between... Bombay and Charlie's mother um and like you know it's funny the guy who plays the coach for the Hawks was was also the uh the DA in uh my cousin Vinny yeah you're so, not even a has been yeah, you're never, never was. was never was yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, you don't make this shot you're not just letting me down you're letting your whole team down too it's a real asshole in that movie yeah it's like really just like like I don't know, like having now watched like sports, a you know a little bit, not nearly as much as other people, but like seeing like just the way parents and coaches just destroy their children. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, like it just right. just makes yeah. makes them terrible people because of the lessons they learn in these sports situations. I was listening to a stern. A- oh, sorry. Go ahead. It's one of the parts of parenting I just can't wait for. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's going to be really enjoyable. Just being that awful parent coach. Yeah. It's going to be great. Forcing your children to do things they don't want to do because it sublimates your your lost childhood. Anyways, uh, I was watching, uh, I was listening yep. to a, an old Stern interview from 2015 with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, and he says that he was, he got picked to be in this film, in The Mighty Ducks, the first one. Really? And his parents wouldn't let him do it. Wow. His parents said no. Wow. And it like crushed his soul. And they asked him who he's going to play, and he said he didn't know, he didn't remember. And I was like, it's got to be Charlie, right? Like, I would think so. <laughs> who else would he play? I mean, may- maybe he could also have played uh, the rich kid. Yeah, maybe. But yeah, either the rich kid or Charlie. Anyway, I'm out. So, Jay, are you out? Yeah. Okay. All right. You don't, right. don't want to hear about a trip to Greece? No, I don't at all. Uh, haven't watched any of the rest of those, so. <laughs> When are they going to yeah. stop that shit? Yeah, I'm done. What's the next one? Trip to Mars? What's the next what? Next one. Oh, I, it looks on. like they're done. Oh, okay. But it would probably be 
somewhere else Mediterranean. But mm-hmm. yeah, why like don't they keep going to the same like like I, I would think they'd been like the trip to Tokyo by now or something. You know what I mean? Like somewhere interest more interesting. I, the the idea they would never agree to go so far from home. Their characters wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're oh, also doing these things on not like the characters again are being sent on these trips on what is technically like a modest budget. Uh-huh. So I, yeah, I, I just don't think they can go too far from mm. London within that world. Wow. That's yeah. terrific. And traveling, traveling you, is you much easier and quicker in Europe. So I did watch a, yes. uh, I did like sort of half watch the other guys on Netflix, uh, at my Should mom's say. house. Oh. And Steve Coogan is the, one of the built villains in that movie. So, wow. He's pretty lame. Uh, the movie was... It's funny in parts. Hmm. <laughs> anyway, mm. uh, let's get on to 10 Rillington Place. Yes. Directed by Richard Fleischer and starring Sir Richard Attenborough, Sir John Hurts. Um, and and Judy Hang Giesen. on. Judy Geese. Yeah. <laughs> Look at it. Yeah. I was about to tell you that. And now, they apparently... Made a four-part miniseries of this in the last few years, uh, uh, yeah. where Tim Roth plays the the villain role. Oh, huh. he plays the. Uh, I think I saw that it was like Christy. Searched for it on Prime. I think it came up on like yeah, it's BBC, just, it's BBC. just called Rillington Place. Right, right, right. Um, yeah. So this is Jr.'s pick. So I'm going to turn it over to Jr. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw this. You know, several years ago, remembered enjoying it, and it's um, this is a very you know non-flashy, methodical, procedural like take on this serial killer, uh, John Christie, and uh, how he was eventually caught. But it really focuses on one particular murder uh, where John Hurt and his wife um, Judy Geeson move into uh, like the top floor of this house and uh, he manipulates them into a situation where he can murder the woman and frame John Hurt for that murder and, and also murder their uh, little baby child, which is very sad. Mm. Um, it's in general, this is, it's not like a, a it's not a fun watch and uh there's a lot of darkness, and that darkness is—it's not like aggrandized or anything, but it's just like it is played straight. Like we see how awful Richard Attenborough's, uh, you know, John Christie serial killer is, and uh, we see how he manipulates and seduces people, and it's—it's uh, it's upsetting. Mm. Or I thought it was upsetting, and uh, part of that I think is because Richard Attenborough is is quite good in this at. Uh, just kind of giving off this air of like, I'm slightly more educated than you, so I'm smarter than you, so you should believe me and do what I say. And uh, John Hurt really works as this you know, asshole with a short temper. He's working class, but is also basically illiterate, so it just kind of mm. has to, like he walks through life being humble since he can't fend for himself in a lot of situations. Um, it's really interesting, and it all... You know, it all revolves around uh, sexism and uh, and town gas, which is a weird gas mixture that uh, the British government used to put into people's houses that could just kill you 
very quickly. Yeah. Um, I don't know. So I like the performances. I like the, uh, the kind of the methodical pacing. I do think like, like the centerpiece of the movie is, uh, Judy Geeson getting uh, an abortion procedure from John Christie, which is, he of course does not perform. He instead, uh, murders her. That, that is like the exact middle of the movie at which point, uh, we have, uh, John Hurt's like confession that he knows where his wife's body is. He doesn't realize that she has been murdered. He doesn't realize his baby has been murdered. And, uh, we get the kind of inevitable trial after that. So what'd you, uh, what'd you guys think? The first thing that really struck me was, uh, John Hurt putting on a Welsh accent. Hmm. Yeah, it, it was just so weird to hear John Hurt not speaking in his regular accent because, like, he speaks in the same voice in like every, literally every other movie that I've seen him in. I'm not sure I noticed that. Maybe it's just because I thought he was like super young, and I oh, was yeah, like, yeah. his voice doesn't, he doesn't have that gravelly quality yet. I'm I noticed his voice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like he, I noticed his voice was different, but I didn't, I didn't realize that was Welsh. Yeah, like, uh, I mean, the reason I know that is because Dudley Moore puts on the same accent in uh, "Bedazzled" for one of <laughs> one of his yeah. one of one of his wishes that goes awry. Um, but yeah, "Bedazzled" and Tin Rillington Place" both Twilight Time releases. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, that's my contribution to this discussion. But uh, I thought, I mean, for me, I thought it was a. I thought it was a little too long, but overall I thought it was pretty good and Richard Attenborough was very, very creepy and very like not someone you would want to spend a lot of time around. Which was which I I think, you know, was interesting because I think probably like I mean I know for sure the first thing I ever saw him in was, you know, that charming funny you know warm grandfather role in jurassic park of course so you know like i always kind of have that association of him in my mind but yeah i thought his performance was very affecting i i mean okay so (laughs) here it comes no 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 no. here here we go no 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 (laughs) Okay, Tin Rillington place. <laughs> Here's I, I've hated his movies lately, so he's just been chomping at the bit. No, here, I to get back at look, me. Hey, you know what? Ever since you said that last week, all I've been doing is thinking of a movie on my list that that will have the highest chance of you actually liking it. <laughs> and I think I found a few, so those are those are going to be my picks whenever it is my pick next time. But um, uh, just on John Hurt and. Uh, Attenborough. The, so this is the central performances of the film. I think Geeson is fine. Mm. She's not in it a lot. When she is in it, she's perfectly good as the the wife who is obviously uh, unhappy. I mean, everybody everybody is unhappy in this movie. But yeah, um, I, at the, I'll be honest. Like twenty minutes in, thirty minutes in, I was like, I literally had the note. John John Hurt is bad in this. Like he is not good in this movie, mm. and uh, he he it ch- he changed my mind. I think that his character at the beginning, this uh, 
his anger scenes at the beginning, they just did not work for me at all. Like him getting mad that the, um, the woman was in the apartment with him, with her mm. and, uh, breaking things and going out and drinking with his friend. It all just felt very like, uh, written. Like all of his lines seemed extreme. And that's not his fault necessarily, but I mean, you can, do- I don't know. It's a little bit on the actor to deliver the lines in a natural way. And I mean, the movie suffers from that. I feel like the entire way through. And I, a lot of it is obviously by virtue of the fact that, I mean, they, they wear this on their sleeve that they the dialogue is taken from official documents, mm. and I think that's a problem. Anytime the dialogue is taken from official documents, is that you can hear the actor trying to be natural with it because yeah, they yeah. know that it's a natural. It was natural at the time, but it doesn't. It never feels right to me, mm. and uh, and I feel well, like and yeah, I, I I so I agree with you. I also think like those documents aren't what's natural at the time. They have been dictated to someone after sure, the fact that's fair. from yeah. someone's mm. memory where we're, you know, it's like your memory of a conversation is never going to be exact and you're, you're not going to use the exact wording that was in a, a conversation not, to get your point across. That's true. But not only that, but I mean like in, this happens a lot in courtroom films, right? There's, right, they, right, they right. use documents from the courtroom and mm. those are, you know, stenographers mm. write that shit down word for word. And then there's like all the yeah, ums yeah. and ahs are in there and they try to recreate those ums and ahs and it never feels natural because mm. they're not natural, right? They should be, they like, I, I I'm against doing that. Like, I don't think you should use exactly. Like, you should write a film, write a scene. It's not right. real life. Like it's a scene. It should be dramatized. Yeah. Or at least don't take it verbatim. Exactly. Don't take it verbatim. That's my point. Don't take yeah, it verbatim. Yeah, yeah. Like there's a, there's yeah. a point to every scene. Yeah. Let's get to that point in a natural way. Let's not do it. It doesn't have to be the exact way that it happened, you know, but John Hurt, uh, uh, as, as, as kind of, um, I was surprised at how much I did not like his performance in the beginning. Once the kind of plot got into motion and uh, his wife was dead and he was feeling they conspire, you know, to uh, to keep it a secret and everything. And he goes and visits his relatives and all mm-hmm. that. So I thought all that worked great. And all of his like sad sack, like what's why is this happening to me kind of stuff. I liked all that. And I thought that performance was quite good. It was mm-hmm. more of the stuff at the beginning where he was. And also I was a little confused. Like and maybe you guys can clear this up. So like at the beginning. When they're looking at the apartment, mm. he says uh, he's constantly talking about how money's not an issue. We used to live in a mansion. Like this is, you know, we'll take it. We're like we don't care, you know. Like it doesn't matter to us. And then he's like, like two scenes later, he's like, I don't know how to read or write. I'm just like, well, I don't understand how this guy's making a living if he doesn't know how to read or write. And it's like, well, obviously, I mean, is it, so is he lying? Is he boasting? Like out of you know what I mean? Like I don't, I don't know what he, he's doing there. Yes. Yeah. I, th- I think it was he, he's trying bravado. to look above his station. Mm. Yeah. While yeah. looking at a dingy, shitty apartment, he's trying yeah. to seem like why, we normally wouldn't live here because but why? we have money. But, but why? clearly you're looking at this place. You don't have money. <laughs> exactly. And I should understand. I, should, I guess I didn't I think, get understand like why he was doing that. Like, I think, it, I, I think it's a stupid pride thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, it's like, I don't a, know what else it could be. I think it's more of a class thing. Like, at one point, they probably were, like, living a fairly comfortable life, but maybe because he's illiterate or maybe because of, you know, whatever whatever else was happening in the 50s when this takes place? Uh, late 40s. Late, so late 40s, early they, they 50s? Move, yeah, they move in 1949. Okay, yeah. Goes so, into 1950. Yeah, so, like, you know, England... Certainly by this time, like, you know, England didn't recover from World War Two until like well into like the the sixties. So, you know, I mean it's 
perfectly reasonable that like yeah at one point he was you know doing fairly well and you know fell on hard times and then you know they got to move into this dingy flat at the top of top of this house that's the other thing is that like okay so like this the i mean this movie is obviously like a challenging in how depressing it is because mm. especially for like when it came out you know i imagine like there aren't a lot of movies like this coming out <laughs> yeah like just like just you know focusing on uh, the villain essentially doing horrible things remorselessly and uh this these awful crime and not even really going into what he was actually doing like he's like a, mm. i was reading about him he's like a necrophiliac and shit like he was raping their corpses and shit afterwards it's like, he, he's yeah. horrible like he's did and he killed yeah. so many more people <laughs> like and it's just I yeah mean, like like when they they look the the guy at the end like sees the like fake wall and looks in and there's at least three corpses maybe more yeah and he's he killed like eight officially eight people Officially, but then they were saying, I was reading on his Wikipedia page that there's like, they're thinking that he may have killed many more mm. uh, before he lived there. Yeah. But, um, anyways, but yeah. just like the apartment, like the, the stage des- or set design rather, uh, is like so oppressively grimy and, and depressing. I was just like, I was finding myself like uncomfortable continuing that I was like, I don't want to spend any more time in this apartment with these people with this baby yeah, crying yeah. and yeah. the walls are covered in grime. It's just like, yeah. it's like, we got to get out of here. This is the worst. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, that's not, that's, that's a, you know, that's the film working, right? I mean, it's yeah, trying yeah, to make you feel sure. that way and it works like that is gross. Like I was just like, yeah. this is the absolute worst your life could be. This, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, this is, this is a London that is dead. I don't think there's mm. green at any moment in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, until it he, is, yeah. Until yeah. he goes out and like visits relatives, like uh, yeah, their yeah. house looks all right. Yeah, it's still yeah. small though. Everywhere's small. Everything's so fucking cramped, man. I was just well, like, that's this a- is that's brutal. England. Yeah, I was it's, just, a very, it's a it's a it's not a small place, and they got a huge amount of people. Also about John Hurt, like he his eyes are so fucking black. Like he has oh, like yeah. nothing in it. Like he's like he should have been the killer. Like he's evil looking. He looks like <laughs> Satan. He reminds me of you're about to watch Nixon. He oh, reminds yeah, me yeah. of um, John Waterston is in or Waterston is that right? The guy from Law and Order. Sam Waterston. Sam Waterston. Sam, right, 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 Sam right, right. Waterston is in is in Nixon, and he plays oh, okay. uh, the CIA director, I think. Oh, and he's yeah. supposed to be like pure evil, and at one point, like he looks he looks at Nixon through a um, through an aquarium, and his eye they put black contacts in his eyes, so his eyes are totally black just during that one shot. Oh, okay. Just to, like further push that he's super evil right and it just reminded me of that i was like his eyes just have like no fucking color and i was like i don't know that that's the case in other films but yeah. they've just been the print or something but man his eyes were so fucking black yeah i know what you mean because like that i remember thinking about when i watched uh the jinx like robert durst's eyes yeah, he's got the same kind of beady are, scary yeah, eyes yeah yeah it's like there's soulless there's, yeah there's like it's like all pupil yeah there's like no Iris is that? Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah, it's just something like that. It's just yeah, yeah it's just, just darkness in his eyes. Super beady darkness. Yeah. And the bald makeup for uh <laughs> which I guess was a bald cap. I assume they shaved his head because his mm. head, his skull is a different color than the rest of his face. Yeah, yeah. it's very it, symmetrical too, the, yeah, the hair loss. It does not look right at all. But yeah. um you know, I mean it's I guess it's <laughs> impressive for seventy one, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I really I thought they had shaved his head because it reminded me mm. of Blue Valentine and Blue Valentine you can see where 
Ryan Gosling had shaved his hairline back, like there was stubble, you know? Oh, okay, right. Because he's trying to look older. <laughs> right. <laughs> but that's not, I mean, that's just, that's a nitpick, you know? It's not a big deal. Right. Yeah. Um, I thought I thought the courtroom scene was really interesting, like, especially with the the judge making like veril very moral proclamations to John Hurt. He's character. obviously like against John Hurt during like yeah, right? he's yeah. already he's decided in his mind like nah, this yeah, guy's guilty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, then but then like when they go they go to hang John Hurt, it's like, jeez. I was reading apparently they had uh that was like a, a classified information about how they hang people at the time and they had mm-hmm. to get they got somebody who was involved with the hanging to be a consultant on the film oh, and he wow. told them how it goes down and that's why it's apparently super realistic. I thought that Jeez. scene was effective too. Yeah. In that it was so not ceremonial at all. Like it was just like he's in a yeah. room, they take him in the other room, they hang him, it's over. It's yeah, like yeah, very, yeah. very quick, very matter of fact. Yeah. So quick. There's a lot of uh, like like uh, I thought of making a murderer a lot. The documentary series on Netflix, uh, mm. while I was especially during the interrogation scenes when he's essentially confessing to the crimes that he had nothing to do with, right? And uh, it just reminded me of um, the nephew in Making a Murderer, who is also slow, not intelligent, uh, mm. and they take advantage of him and kind of coerce him into making these false statements yeah and it yeah. just reminded me a lot of that and uh yeah you know it was just like that's such a real life i mean obviously this actually happened and everything but this is like you know 70 years ago like you would think things would have changed by now but like they're still doing shit like this they're still taking advantage of people who mm. you know aren't smart enough to yeah. know their know what that's in their best self-interest yeah, like that's that's actually like a fairly big part of the uh beginning of uh my cousin Vinny. It's like Ralph Macchio is just convinced that they've oh, been arrested right. because they, you know, <laughs> he accident accidentally shoplifted this. That's another of one of those Frasier esque things. Exactly. Like, like the audience knows and they're like, no, 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 don't talk, don't say that, yeah. shut up. You know? <laughs> like, yeah, it's like, you know, why why didn't your buddy try to stop you? Well, he didn't know about it at the yeah. time, and you know, blah they blah ripped, blah. That scene is complete. Not to get off on this, but that scene <laughs> is completely ripped off. In um, there's something about Mary oh, when Ben Stiller is arrested okay. at the gay hangout campground thing at the rest stop all the gay guys are having sex with each other and the mm-hmm. cops come and bust everybody right and he gets in jail and he thinks and he thinks that they're uh they're mad at him for they're arresting him because he picked up a hitchhiker but mm. he but they're really th- they think that he killed the people that the hitchhiker killed oh yeah. and he's like and they're like how many times have you done this he goes I don't know, a couple i mean two three times yeah, a, yeah. a year maybe i don't know he's <laughs> like you're really calm about it right yeah and they start beating the shit out of him anyways I like the line, uh, don't get uppy with me, lad. Whenever. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because it's like Attenborough all of a sudden is making John Hurt feel like he's in the wrong. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, he just murdered and raped his wife and is about to kill his kid. But he's like, he's like yeah. hey, man, relax. All right, I'm here to help you, you know, and you need me. You need me. And Yeah, yeah. He's just a real piece of shit in this movie. Yeah, because like the way, the way he drops that line, like, wouldn't you, be, wouldn't you need to learn to read and write? Or something like that. Oh yeah, yeah. Who, who are they going like, to believe? They're going to believe you or yeah, me? I was a me, cop was, for four uh, yeah, years. I was a special constable. Attenborough. <sighs> also, I took a picture to prove it, but he looks just like Anthony Hopkins in multiple scenes. I can definitely and this see is that. one of them. Yeah. Oh, for sure. How much yeah. does he look like Anthony Hopkins? Am I right? Can you see that? Oh, a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It yeah. 
Like, and he even had like this little like smirk at one point. I was like, "Good God, he's Hannibal Lecter right now!" Like, I know, it's just like, I know. It's it's insane. Yeah, but I mean, I I wonder. Like, I'd love to, I'd love to hear if uh, Hopkins like thought of uh, Attenborough at all because like I know they worked together on a uh, like magic, and I think Hopkins might have been in a bridge too far. He was okay. So everybody was in a bridge too far. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Literally everybody. Um, I thought so. So, so one of the kind of uh, this is a nitpick, but it is a problem that I literally like legitimately had with the film was mm-hmm. the just the kind of portrayal of uh, Christie as a killer, like as a as in his ritual of killing, which involves you know the hose and the the milky liquid, whatever that is. And then mm. the, like the gas and all that, which I think that's interesting. Like that's a, and I'm sure that that's, you know, totally real and everything. And he was, that's how he did it. I have an issue with the way that he kept all that stuff together in a, in a locked box oh, yeah. in his living room uh, with the rope that yeah, he uses. The to strangle. Cabinet. Yeah. Yeah. With the same rope that he uses. It's like, I was like, why do you keep the rope? Like, that just seems like a really bizarre thing to me. It's just like rope. You can just like his, he has a chair made out of rope in his, in his kitchen. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like there's rope is easy to come by. Why would you keep the murder weapon with all your mother murder stuff yeah. in a locked box in your, in your kitchen? It just makes no sense to me. I was just like, it felt very like of the time. It felt very like, mm. Let's abandon the realism for a minute just to convey something yeah. uh, obvious about this guy, that he's a serial killer and that he's got – this is his lair and this is where he keeps his stuff. Yeah. I love this. I love the scene when he was convincing John Hurt to um, to let him do the abortion and he, and he handed him the medical book and it was just a uh, first aid book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and John Hurt didn't know. That yeah. Was, that was great. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. And like uh, – I don't know. I, I – I would imagine that, like, John Christie as a person would have had, like, the just hubris to, like, not try to hide or get rid of things like that. I mean, like, he does, you know, you see him sweat a couple of times when the dog is, like, digging up He's super the smart bodies. about Yeah, but he's, like, super methodical and smart about what he's doing. Yeah. Like, whenever, whenever she's dead, like, he's immediately talking about, like, we got to get rid of the body. You know, they're going to come. This is what's going to happen. We need to do this and this yeah. and that. Like, he's... Well, he obviously doesn't want to get caught. Like, yeah. He's not sloppy at all. Well, again, it's like freaking uh, Durst. Like, you know, he's wanted in multiple states, and then he decides, oh, oh, I'm just going to shoplift this sandwich. Yeah. Like, and <laughs> Durst was is not, he's not a dumb he had guy. Like, he had like 30 grand in the car in cash, too. It's yeah. like he's shoplifting Yeah, I want to see he had like, yeah, like $500 in his pocket. What a moron. Yeah, it's like, like, you never, like, he never would have been caught if he just had bought the freaking sandwich. Yeah, I don't know what that is. That is hubris. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, and I think I think that's... I could be wrong. Like, other people who are more into, like, serial killer culture, like, well, I, like even, like, Bundy had, like, this weird, like, oh, they'll never convict me, like, attitude. Like, even yeah. though it was, like, obvious. Well, he thought he was smarter than everybody, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think that's a serial killer thing. Sure. You know, like, they, they have this weird, you know extreme self-confidence yeah that's fair is it weird that um so so christy obviously he kills his wife uh when he realizes that his wife is has figured out what kind of person he is Mm. and uh and this happens very quickly but like he can't work loses 
his house and ends up homeless. Uh, is it weird that he didn't think to move the bodies somewhere else before he just I thought, left that apartment? I, th- I thought his hiding of the bodies is this like that's what that's the sloppiest part about him is that he's just literally mm. just putting bodies behind walls and under floorboards. I'm like those bodies got to stink like asshole. Like yeah, what? Yeah. Like what are you doing? Yeah. And then he just leaves the place. And apparently, I was reading about him, and in reality, those uh, whatever they are, East Indian or whatever, those like uh, you know uh, African people who move in, mm. the immigrants, they were there when he was there, and he didn't like them because he was racist. And apparently, like they had issues and stuff, and there were mm. cops called about that, and like his wife was still alive during all that. And I was like, that would have been interesting, but I guess you don't know, want to make the movie like three hours huh. long. But yeah, I bet yeah. I bet they cover all that shit in the Tim Roth uh, miniseries, so mm. I think that might be interesting to watch. But yeah, yeah, it, it, and they, they, you know, there's he's on the bottom floor, uh, the Evanses are on the top floor. And we just hear that there's a guy on the second floor, but we never see or hear him. Right. And apparently, was he's that in just hospital. like a, yeah. In hospital, yeah, days. it's just like a a way to write out uh, this immigrant family, maybe. Yeah, possibly. I mean, possibly could yeah, be. Exactly. Yeah, but I mean, who knows? I mean, I uh, but yeah, I, I yeah, I think the hiding of the bodies was. I was just surprised at how mm. like moronic he was about hiding bodies. Yeah. I'll just put a piece of paper on on this wall, and nobody will ever find. It's like, what are you doing? What is wrong with you, guy? Yeah, he should have dropped him down in the sewer. Like that's that's where to drop him. It takes three guys to lift that fucking lid. Like right. nobody's gonna find a body down there unless somebody tells them about it. Yeah, yeah. and like, uh, but yeah, like even in like the the first uh, the first person we see that he's killed, like, uh, you know, he's like digging up her grave, and then he sees the foot. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Of somebody else that he had killed, and just kind of, huh? Covers it back up. Yeah, just you know, toss toss a little dirt on that. It'll be fine. I mean, I I, I can appreciate the idea of like like so they only show him killing two other people who aren't the Evanses or his wife. I mean, they don't show him killing his wife, but they only they only cover those murders, right? And then the right, two other yeah. murders, and like I can like that seems like a pretty. Um, typical way to go about it in like a serial killer movie you don't show every single victim you show like yeah yeah very like certain ones that are maybe more interesting than others like i right. like when he convinces the woman in the cafe to come back with him because she's having migraines mm, yeah. i thought that was pretty good yeah we doctors you know yeah exactly. <laughs> um and i i have, I have so i only have one more note and it's a, it's a super nitpick but it's really weird like mm. i don't know if you guys noticed this so <laughs> john hurt is uh he's left his relative's house mm-hmm. he's in a cafe drinking tea watching the police station across the way now the camera's inside of the cafe it's uh like on a ladder or something looking down at him and he's mm-hmm. looking down he's on like the second floor of a building looking down at the police station and the people walking mm-hmm. and all the shit's in the shot and he's looking i mean you can see he's looking down like his eye level cut to a shot outside of the cafe He's street level, and there's a street, and he's looking across at, like, what is that? Did you guys not notice this? I rewound it and had to watch it again. I was like, I what is going on here? No, this guy, he's like, all, he was on the second floor. All of a sudden, he's on the first floor. I mean, I remember him, like, <laughs> sitting in the cafe, and there's this, like, Kubrick-esque uh, zoom in on his face. Like, it's like I think that's the second. Out of Barry that's the second shot where he's street level. So the first okay. shot, it's like from almost from behind him, and he's looking at he's looking down at the police station, and the police station is two stories. Is that but he's, he's above like, it? Like he's climbing like up a hill. 
Oh, geez, I don't know. He okay. was, he, I don't think they showed how he got there. He's just in the ca- It just cuts to him in the cafe. Yeah. And then the next scene is him going into the police station and okay. confessing. Yeah, because I remember him climb. I remember him like climbing up a hill. Could possibly be. And then like seeing seeing him in the cafe. I think it was just a geographical. I think they probably just couldn't. They probably shot Maybe. the scenes on different days, and they couldn't mm. get the access to that same cafe again or something. Maybe. But um, I don't know. That was my last note. I I, I really this the movie was unpleasant. I almost texted uh, JR and it's like, what a what a bummer, man. Why would you make us watch this <laughs> shit? <laughs> like, yeah, it's just I, a real bummer, man. <laughs> I, I actually, I didn't remember how how serious and dark it was, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um... I mean, I like dark shit. Know, this is, this is, yeah. it was just too much. Like, it was just oppressive. That's, well, that scene where the baby is, is crying and, like, Attenborough is just staring back at it with, like, just unrepressed hatred in his eyes that scared the shit out of me yeah i just yeah i can't the, the hurting mm. children i'm uh, uh, i'm i'm right there with you man i'm not it. about it at all i'm just really glad they didn't no, show this, any of that shit this was not yeah um you know i i think this movie was good but this was not good like this is, uh, <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i mean the movie it's an experience, is it was, it was for a sure. tough thing for sure yeah, yeah. i'm not sorry I, mean, I watched it i'm just it was just like yeah yeah and troubling. you know much that's, so let's just get out. Uh, this this movie ends. It, it it really just like peters out, right? Yeah, you're like right. John Hurt is hanged. Uh, John Christie or Edinburgh loses his house, and it's just like a matter of time before he's caught. And he's like, you know, he he's uh, what, what he he's he's homeless and like moving between those shelters, and then uh, he like he's not caught from anything that he did. He's just caught because he like left those bodies there and, uh, they know what he looks like. And then it's over mm. movie. Just the movie just, it doesn't give us like a, a grand climax. It just ends. I actually, yeah. uh, and, uh, the scene when he's confronted by the police officer. Oh yeah. All I was thinking about was how someone could handle that now in America. Mm. You just be like, I don't answer questions. Are you detaining me? Like, oh yeah, he's like yeah. He's, he wants his identification. It's like I haven't come into the crime. Have I come into the crime? You can't ask for my identification, right? <laughs> you know right. what I mean? You could totally get away with it now. Yeah, <laughs> just yeah. walk away from the police officer. The police officer can't touch you. Yeah, you know. But uh, yeah. anyway, well, that that implied that there was like a. Uh, I thought there was like a warrant out for his arrest. I'm sure there was. Right? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure yeah, there yeah, was. Yeah. So people had gone. People had gone to the police, but people didn't know where to find. Christine. It just made me think of that because I, I watch a lot of yeah. videos of. Uh, sovereign citizens you know fighting mm. against police officers and telling them that they don't answer questions and that they're they're not i'm not driving i'm traveling you know like, uh. <laughs> like changing like the wording so that they're not breaking the law you know wow i'm not driving while drunk i'm traveling while drunk so it's okay i have the right to do that this is america <laughs> uh, but yeah let's uh let's do ratings and, and and get out of this depressing hole amen uh, amen brother yeah jr it's your I, got film. A, I gave it a yeah, I give it a three point seven five. Oh, that's fair. Oh, I, that's... I respect so this a went... lot of it. I like it. This but... went down for you? Yeah, it did go down. Okay, Kevin. Uh, I'm gonna have to say three and a half. Yeah, I was. Uh, I was... like, as much as I appreciated the movie as an experience, like I don't know, like a lot of things just didn't come together for me yeah it was actually a three coming in but actually our discussion made me appreciate certain aspects of it more so i'm gonna give it three and a half also Mm. um uh yeah not a 
not a great film, but certainly something that is worth your time. Right. Especially just considering that it came out in 71. I mean, I feel like that's pretty early for this kind of thing. Mm. Um, so that's our show. Next time, hopefully in a couple of weeks, not yeah. in 18 weeks, right. uh, it'll be Kevin's pick. Kevin, what are we watching for next ep- for the 90th episode? For the 90th episode, we are going to watch something actually from 1990. Okay. We are going to watch the original Flatliners, directed by George Schumacher. All right. I've owned this movie for 10 years and never watched it. (laughs) This will be good. We can talk Schumacher more. I know how much JR loves Schumacher. Yeah. Yeah. Can't wait. I don't don't think I've seen this. That's good. That's good. And starring Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon, Oliver Platt, Julia, Julia Roberts, Roberts uh, Kiefer Sutherland. Um, Oliver Platt of I'm um, Thinking of Ending Things fame. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, uh, <Right>. <laughs> and A Time to Kill. We've mentioned a lot of his films, actually. We mentioned yeah, Three Musketeers yeah, yeah. on this podcast, <laughs> A Time to Kill on this podcast, I'm Thinking of Ending Things, and now this, that's four Oliver Platt films. That's pretty wild. Did you just say Three Musketeers? Yeah, you said okay, it. Yeah, you yeah, said yeah, it, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Sorry. Killer. Got excited for a second. All right, so uh, we're going to be watching Flatliners next time, not right. the remake. No, can't do it. Won't do it. <laughs> but, I can't. Uh, I won't. Who, can't, who, I won't. Made, who made the remake? I didn't. Oh, it's uh, uh, Spanish remake, Spanish director, isn't it? I believe. I think so. It's got like Ellen Page and like Diego Luna. Mm-hmm. And I huh. remember it had a uh, James Addiction. In the oh no, it's a uh, it's trailer. a uh, it's a North Northman Niels Arden Oplev. Northman. Oh, Wait, he did, that he, guy's done. he that directed a uh, girl with the dragon tattoo, the original girl with the dragon tattoo. Oh, so okay. I'm gonna watch. I have seen both. It. I'm gonna watch Flatliners because you know that guy's just a, a real director. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's actual cinema here. I might watch uh, Dead Man Down. He directed that. I always was mildly curious about that oh. with Colin Farrell and uh, Numi Rapace. Okay, I might check that out if it's available easily somewhere. Mm. Um, yeah. So. That'll be our show. Until next time, visit our website at filmyak.podient.co. Email us at filmyakpodcast at gmail.com. Like us on and uh, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen to podcasts. And uh, thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Quack, 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 quack,